Hello, everyone. Welcome to Freedom International live stream with Hartmut Schumacher from Germany for Go Your Own Path podcast with Mary, Dr. Mary Elizabeth Mindful podcast and Steve Fierro of Awakening all the way in Singapore and Carl Moore, Dr. Carl Moore, all the way from Ireland, and yours truly. I'm in Princeton, New Jersey of Quantum Nurse Podcast with our honored guest, Dr. Brian Artis. So welcome to our audience and thank you for following. And best of all, thank you for sharing every every podcast that you feel that's necessary because I know that some of you share it to your family and loved ones. And that's what we're here for, to educate, advocate, and empower you. And um, I'll just say a little bit about Dr. Brian Artis, and we really welcome him. And we've learned so much from a lot of from all our guests, from Dr. Tempenny, Dr. Palevsky, and almost all their guests are also Dr. Brian's guest in his show, the Dr. Artis Show. So now he's that's his show, and look how beautiful his background is. I like the background of that. And he is also the CEO of artislabs.com. And he is also uh, the founder of um, his practice before that turned now into North Texas Healing Center. And um, he creates and formulates products for wellness under the company named True Labs. And so welcome to our holistic doctor today, Dr. Brian Artis. I really just want you to you know, speak more on your uh, what happened to your family with your, your sister, was that your sister and also your father? Because I, you know, when you speak, when, when I, when you speak from your own experience, it seems more powerful for other people to hear. Absolutely. Well, welcome. Thank you for having me on the show. I was going to welcome you to the show, but thank you for welcoming me <laughs> onto the show and with your panel of guests. It's really an honor to meet all of you. Uh, so uh, I don't know how much time you want me to take introducing myself, but this is the story about who I am. My sister was actually diagnosed at uh, 11 years old with systemic lupus erythematosus. We were told by the medical profession. I was 21 at the time. She was 11. Three different hospitals couldn't figure out what was wrong with her with one month stints in each of them. The third hospital came out with this autoimmune disease diagnosis of systemic lupus erythematosus and then told my family and my parents that this was her prognosis. There is no known cure. There is no, there is no known cause for lupus. And there's only these three treatment options for her that she will have to take the rest of her life, which included three drugs, prednisone, Plaquenil, and methyltrexate. They also informed us in the same meeting that the prognosis for her would be this because she's so young and those three drugs are going to damage her liver and kidneys over time. She most likely won't live into her forties. Also there are side effects to babies in utero with some of these drugs. She will never be able to bear children because of the side effects of birth defects to these children. So this was really a death sentence to my sister. The, what my parents heard in that meeting was this. They heard that my sister had a terminal illness that was going to take her life. Uh, that is not what I heard. They actually said, we don't know what causes her pain. We don't know where it came from. Uh, we just have these drugs. She's going to have to live on the rest of her life and they will ultimately take her life. Literally, they told us the drugs would poison her over time and kill her uh, in the next three decades. So I told my parents that day that if we couldn't find a profession, since the medical profession can't admit they don't know what causes it, they don't know how to fix it. 
They just have these treatment options. I actually declared to my family that day that I was going to actually set out on a mission to uncover what caused all the joints in her body to start hurting just three months earlier. And we did. It took 12 years of studying under medicine, chiropractic school, acupuncture school, going to clinics around the country, getting certified in nutrition and all kinds of testing. Uh, it took 12 years until I accomplished the ability to help people reverse autoimmune diseases. But you first got to figure out what causes it. My sister had been diagnosed with a medical condition of an autoimmune disease. She never actually had the autoimmune disease. She actually had microscopic parasites in her spleen, which is a lymph node attached to every other lymph node through lymph node vessels. And all of your lymph nodes are tied to your joints. And when those lymph nodes swell, if your spleen swells from an infection, every joint in your body hurts. It took two months to clear up the parasites using Chinese herbs and getting her off all the drugs she'd been on for 12 years that led to celiac disease and pulmonary tuberculosis in those 12 years. It took two months to get her off of all those medications. Within one year, she had her first child. Last year, she had her fourth. So that's been going on since 2010. She was reclaimed from that terrible diagnosis. The body does heal. You have to identify what's actually causing it. Fast forward to this year, uh, 2020, sorry, last year. In February, my father-in-law went into a hospital, walked in at 90 years old with a headache and a fever. Uh, they diagnosed him with the flu. Second day, diagnosed him with pneumonia. Third day, diagnosed him with acute kidney failure. By day five, he went unconscious. By day nine, they had killed him. Uh, I went into the hospital on day five. Uh, they wouldn't allow us to go into the hospital because of his flu diagnosis. They didn't want us being exposed to that and bringing it back to the area that Jane's mother lived in which was a rehab center at the time. She had broken her neck. They didn't want us bringing the flu back to this facility. So we couldn't go see him for the first five days. When I went to the hospital, they had diagnosed him with the flu. And I looked up, remember I'd heard he had the flu and then pneumonia and now acute kidney failure. When I got there, he was on a IV bag of vancomycin. I don't know if you guys know what this is, but this is an antibiotic that actually has a side effect of acute kidney failure. And he had been on it for five days, been diagnosed for two days now with acute kidney failure. I don't know if you know, this is what happens though. They put him on an antibiotic for a flu diagnosis. He didn't even test positive for influenza A or B, nor did he test for viral or bacterial pneumonia, but they did diagnose him with that, then pumped him full of three antibiotics starting at that time, one of which caused acute kidney failure. They convinced the family that these protocols were his best option for life. The truth was the vancomycin they put him on on day one caused acute kidney failure. His lungs never developed pneumonia on day two. I had them show me the x-rays. He actually had pulmonary edema, which is water in the base of your lungs. His body was accumulating water as they shut down his kidneys, which is what excretes water. They literally drowned him to death. The water accumulated so much by day five, six, seven, eight, that it was on the brain now and had to be put on a ventilator. His whole lungs were full of fluid, obviously, but the pressure in his brain and around his heart is what ultimately was killing him only for them to say, this is still his best options after day nine. I actually had security called on me and me escorted out as I was telling the family exactly what was happening to the nurses stations, to all the medical doctors of how every part of that protocol was killing them. And uh, it was awful. And anyway, it was very traumatic for me. They eventually convinced the family, my, my family now, convinced them to let him go peacefully under a morphine drip. And they literally poisoned him to death on morphine over a four hour period paralyzing his diaphragm and his heart, which is what overdosing someone on morphine does. Uh, it was just horrific. This exact same protocol I watched happen, this downfall of my father's, my father-in-law's life in nine days, this occurred. And then I was just really angry and very upset with the, me the medical profession and these 
medically trained personnel and institutions of health actually killed my father-in-law in nine days. When you listen to the reports a few months later, starting in May, coming out of New York State, that there were individuals coming with COVID complicated by secondary pneumonia within a few days. Then they started reporting that there's this crazy thing that this virus does. We've never seen a virus do this before. From the time you start treating him, these COVID-19 patients in hospitals in New York, they were reporting that there was acute kidney failure that was occurring that was complicating the pneumonia. Uh, just so you know, none of these people, 90% of all the people that were reported died from COVID-19 infections in the United States did not die from COVID-19. 90% of them, I promise you, I already have the research studies to back it up. The drug of choice that the National Institutes of Health actually put into mandates they said you can't use hydroxychloroquine, chloroquine back in May and June. You can only use this new experimental drug called remdesivir, which had already been proven in two studies they were quoting to kill more people in the Ebola study four years earlier in 2016. And it was taken out of the study. It wasn't even allowed to finish the study on Ebola. And now they're going to use it for this novel new coronavirus. And then a second study was reported by Gilead, the manufacturer of remdesivir, they actually found in the COVID-53 cohort member study in China, they took 53 COVID-19 positive patients, put them on remdesivir. They had 22% of them within 29 days experienced these four things, 22% of everyone. They experienced hypotension, septic shock, multiple system organ failure, and acute kidney failure. In China already said individuals who experienced acute kidney failure from treatment in hospitals in China had a 800 times increase death rate or mortality rate than without acute kidney failure. Remdesivir as a side effect, just like vancomycin and my father-in-law's uh, experience and scenario, vancomycin shut down my father-in-law's kidneys in two days. This remdesivir was doing the same thing. 8% of all people in that study had to be taken off of remdesivir by day 10 because their organs were failing. And this was the drug of choice we chose to push on people. This is why I got involved. This is why in June I started creating a report to actually start explaining and connecting the dots for people to understand what's going on in hospitals. The medical doctors were right. They had never seen a virus before attack kidneys like this because the virus wasn't doing it. They were being told they had to use this one drug against their, against their will and their clinical experience of knowing these other drugs were safe, hydroxychloroquine, chloroquine, ivermectin. They were being forced to use an experimental drug they had never used before. And now they were seeing acute kidney failure in just days. So they were demanding in New York, we need not only ventilators, we need, we need dialysis machines. <laughs> this was the disgusting part of the whole thing. Uh, and for me, this is what woke me up to try to educate as many people as possible to protect them from these mandates and health protocols that literally are killing millions of people, maiming millions more just to get to an agenda. Uh, and that, that agenda disgusts me. So the things that have been not told to you the things that the citizens in this world are not seeing and having censored from them makes me very upset. And obviously the life experience, the clinical experience I've had, there is typically not for most diseases in this world, is there a death sentence? And it is not typically terminal. There are ways to heal the body. Well, thank you, Dr. Artis. Thank you for sharing that story. Um, what I heard is one success story that began from like a, a doom diagnosis. And because most people not, even now will say that once they have autoimmune, that's usually their excuse when they cannot do anything. 
And yet it was a success story because there was an intervention of a holistic practitioner who happens to be a family member and your family listened to you. So then the other one is like an unsuccessful ending, a sad ending, because you as a holistic practitioner didn't get a chance to be involved in that care. You know, and uh, I, I work in ICU and I've seen both stories have, you know, I've heard it from, you know, both ends of stories and I can believe all that experience that you had. And this is even happening, not just now, but for all those years, it keeps happening. I think my, my I said, I was going to say, you didn't, you didn't happen to meet a holistic nurse there who could be speaking for you or connecting with you. Because I usually like when I know that a family a family has a physician, a holistic practitioner with them, I would reach out to that member and say, so what do you think? What do you want to do? And really be an advocate for that. Um, and yes, all, all of us who have that experience with family becomes more um, determined to have that purpose in life because once we're given something from the creator, then we need to use them or else as they said, use it or lose it, all right? So thank you for everything that you do now and thank you for all your service to all different kinds of people, different population, including my people, the Filipinos who you just mentioned, there's a lot of Filipinos in Dallas. Now, so let's go to the most famous topic nowadays. And I'm gonna ask you a question, Dr. Artis, that you always ask your guests. Now your turn, I'm gonna ask you, what is your favorite vaccine? What's my Every time I have any of these doctors on there, like Dr. Pileski that you just mentioned, Sherry Timpen is coming on my show. The very first question I ask him is, which one is your favorite vaccine and why? And they all look like they start because deer in a headlight look like, are you serious, doctor? <laughs> I, I need you. to ask you because people are, you know, people other than us who are not fully awake are trying to wake up. They need to hear from you. No, this is great. So let me tell you my favorites. All right. So there's currently three right now that are being pushed throughout the United States. We've got Pfizer, Moderna. We've got, uh, uh, sorry, Johnson & Johnson. Then AstraZeneca, of course, is floating around where some of you people live, unfortunately. It's been banned from a lot of countries, which is great. All right. So my favorites. Uh, you would have to pick a favorite if you're evil. If I had an evil mindset and I wanted to create the most destruction that I could, then I would pick... Pfizer and Moderna's. <laughs> Those would be my two favorite because they're very similar in what's inside of them. They cannot be a favorite if you have any ethical or moral code in your body or any respect for human life. These things are horrible. So one of the things I want to share with you is there was a report done by the FDA. Now, the majority of the world is following recommendations for vaccines from our wonderful United States, CDC, NIH, Department of Health and Human Services of our government. The FDA produced back in October... This report, I'm holding up right now, it's actually titled CBER Plans for Monitoring the COVID-19 Vaccine Safety and Effectiveness. This is October 22nd, 2020, two months before the vaccines came out. FDA logo at the top, internal document. This is great. They created a list, 25-page list of how it is you're going to determine reported injuries from the coming COVID-19 vaccines, how we're going to establish a causality What's the time frame we're going to look at when we get these reports coming to the government? I want you to understand, though, when we talk about favorites, 
They had three that they were actually writing emergency use authorizations for in October 2020. And inside of that actual 25 slide presentation is the infamous, I call it slide number 16, and I'm holding it up right here. And yeah, I have copies of this. You can see on the screen right now, it says go to the drartistshow.com. There you can click on there and you can get links to all of these documents. On this document, it contains 22 bullet points the FDA knew was going to be reported by all of these three vaccines that are currently being circulated. On this list is 110 different diseases, including all 80 autoimmune diseases under one bullet point. You've got MS or demyelinating diseases. You have deaths, birth, birth defects, miscarriages. You have four types of blood clot disorders that you're hearing announced now. Johnson & Johnson had six. They didn't have six. At the time they reported it, there was actually 56 already reported to the government from Johnson & Johnson, 400 from Pfizer, 376 from Moderna. So why was they were pausing one for 10 days? Not very effective, but they knew back in October, two months before the actual vaccines came out and they produced the fact sheets and emergency use authorization for each of those vaccines. The disgusting part is this. There's 110 known diseases and included death side effects they knew were coming from the COVID-19 vaccines and they were expecting to be reported. Not a single one of these ended up on the fact sheets for the Pfizer, Moderna, or Johnson & Johnson fact sheets that went out to the people to vaccinate people so that if one of us, any of us consumers said, what are the health benefits and what are the risks associated with these vaccines? The FDA creates those fact sheets. The same organization that made up this list is the same organization two months later that created the fact sheets for these vaccines to be given to all of us. They didn't include a single one of these side effects on that list. They listed mild allergies and pain at the insertion site. So I find it disgusting that they knew deaths were going to be reported, which there's already over 4,000 reported just in America as of this last week. So we know deaths are coming. We know miscarriages are miscarri miscarrying is coming and occurring. Uh, I have no favorites in this because I actually have ethics and a love for humanity. I couldn't even pick a favorite if I didn't have either one of those. Thank you. And I bet, uh, I, 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 and I bet most of the, most of the doctors don't even know that that document exists and that document is not even hidden. It's just that most of us have been complacent already and not to do our own research. And I still remember when I was working in a corporate hospital that even, even nurses and doctors, they, they just maybe so focus in their work because they have to pay a lot of debts for school that they don't even go to seminars. And we, I still remember when pharmaceutical companies will come and do in-services for us. And the pharmaceutical companies representatives who who have who know that the nurses are key to the doctor's knowledge and doctor's heart and compassion, they will go, they will have a schedule in service for us. Then we become the spokesperson for that special procedure or medication, and that's what we do. So my my second question is. Again, I'm not being funny, Dr. Artis, but yesterday I was in a uh, in a protest for a nurse who was a school nurse who was suspended without pay 
for speaking out for to unmask the children because he's she's seen what happened and i don't you know i, I so it, it's all things that she see from a child vomiting on the mask and that teachers don't even know and the child doesn't speak up because he's scared to say that there's a vomit in the mask for stories that a child has the mask for two weeks that child never took it out he's scared to take it out the nurse had to cut with another nurse untie the mask because the child said she could he couldn't breathe so we did a protest yesterday in outside the board of education so my second question for you is what's your favorite mask if you have any <laughs> uh, no mask is my favorite <laughs> zero mask uh, yeah, those are ridiculous. I actually was on uh, a show with Dr. Rima, if you know her, but Dr. Rima has on her site, she's been selling all year. It just says and defines that a mask has to cover the nose and mouth. So she started creating masks that are made from lace and they have like these big, huge holes in them all over the place just so people can breathe. The mask is a, for anybody who has any scientific knowledge <laughs> or has any experience in the medical profession at all knows how ridiculous the mask idea was from the beginning to try to protect from viral spreading uh, or shedding or transmission. It's never been effective. It's never been preached for that e either. So the masks themselves, that mandate needs to be removed. Thank goodness our governor here in Texas has dropped it. Florida obviously did too, but uh, it doesn't mean that the school districts aren't trying to force this. It doesn't mean hospitals or health agencies or businesses aren't trying to push it, uh, but there is real complications to the masks. There's a Dr. Jim Meehan. He's out of uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's an ophthalmologist. And he has an incredible list of 17 known ways with research backed articles for them. 17, 17 ways in which the masks that we wear, regardless if it's the surgical ones or cloth ones, which are even less effective, uh, how they create disease, deoxygenate people, and actually make the chances of them getting sick from contracting a respiratory type infection like coronaviruses, it complicates it all. You're deoxygenated the body and you need oxygen to actually protect the body, protect the brain and to help build immunity. So the fight against COVID-19 has never been improved <laughs> with these masks. The mask mandates, I'll just tell you, uh, when I watched them be rolled out and be mandated, all of the behaviors I was seeing in the media and from uh, government officials and agencies reminded me of every cultic behavior of any successful cult. Uh, I've actually started buying up cult books from cult experts who help people get out of cults. They actually mention in there that there are four types of cults in each of the books. There's what's called religious cults, political cults, commercial and therapeutic. And the political cult just has to, for all these experts, they say political cults only need two things to accomplish success and to be destructive. Number one, they have to control the media. Number two, they have to prevent assembly. For all the cults they talk about, one of the major things they all do in order to get compliance, they have to change the behavior of their followers to get them to remove critical thinking and create what's called thought reform or brainwashing, which is what they've attempted to do this whole last year. And what they do, 80% of all cults require clothing to be worn to try to change. That's the first aspect of change to get them to behave the way you want them to. And the clothing, the masks are exactly textbook 
of a way to start changing the behaviors of individuals. Then they had you stand six feet apart, which is ridiculous. Social distancing wasn't going to work either. They've already had physicists prove before coronavirus even started, before this pandemic started, they already found that any particles less than three microns are considered air fluid. The actual coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2, is only 0.125 microns. They were able to test this for years, that those sized particles travel in the air like fluid up to 27.2 feet. Then they stopped checking it because it just kept going. It just floats in the air. So social distancing was ridiculous. This is just a way to get you to behave so that they could instill confusion, behavioral changes, so that once they started telling you in order to fix the problem and allow you to go back to work, allow you to go back to school, uh, you're going to have to do the things we tell you to, which is the same behavior, destructive behavior of all political cults ever and all other cults for that matter. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that cult thing and so it's perfect segue because well, I want to pass this now to Hartmut because he, he can tell more about his experience and of, of his people in Germany. Um, thank you so much for being here on the show, Dr. Artis. I'm doing like this because I'm very, I'm very, really appreciate that you're here and that we can discuss several things. Um, here in Germany, for example, uh, as I said, the people, let's say, some are some are aware, but many not. And uh, especially concerning the vaccinations, we have here, let's say, it this way. Um, they say, okay, the, the mRNA vaccinations I don't need, but they, then I take the traditional one. Yeah, and the traditional one is AstraZeneca. <laughs> Do you have any opinion concerning the traditional vaccines concerning uh, this, uh, this injection? Because um, so that the people also in Germany can understand your opinion concerning the classical shot in this time. You can call it classical. You're asking me this question, right? Yes, I'm asking okay. you the question. <laughs> okay, great. So the Johnson Johnson vaccine contains what's called a transgene. That's what they're injecting you with. That is what the AstraZeneca vaccine has in it also. There ain't nothing classical about this. This is all new experimental stuff. They're actually injecting transgene, which they expect to insert itself into your own DNA to then start getting your body to create within your own DNA. They want your own DNA to create. It's called a transfection, by the way, infecting your DNA with these transgenes. You're going to get your body's own genes to create what's called a spike protein. The whole goal is to get this spike protein. The spike protein is what they're trying to get your body to make with this introduction of a new genetic transgene to change your genetic code. The problem with this is the spike proteins and the antibodies your body's going to make against the spike proteins have already proven in research studies to be destructive and disease causing to at least 28 different tissues in your body, including the gut lining, including your lungs, including your bone, including your brain and all neurological tissue, which is why you will see on this list from the FDA, you will see demyelinating diseases as a result. The myelin sheath is impacted by the spike proteins and the antibodies. Not only do the spike proteins present a harm to tissues of your body that they're going to make your body make, the spike proteins that your antibodies are going to be created against, they're called anti antibodies against spike proteins, those antibodies are already proven to create disease in all tissues of your body, which is why you're going to see a myriad of autoimmune diseases, 
And for those of you who don't understand autoimmune diseases, like I mentioned earlier with my sister's disease, your own body starts attacking your tissue. All you need is damage to any cells of your body and allow the nucleus from the cells of your body of any tissue to escape into the bloodstream. That looks like foreign material. It's supposed to be behind a cell membrane inside of the nucleus of a cell. When you get damaged to cells of any tissue, be it heart. Oh, just so you know, be it heart. It doesn't matter. The body's going to produce antibodies against your tissue, that DNA that you find. Well, you're also going to start getting your body to create spike proteins and the antibodies against your own self. The spike protein is going to be in your DNA. So now you're going to get cells in your body attacking any tissues in your body. We already know those antibodies against spike proteins have an affinity to destroy mitochondria. Mitochondria are the cells, the organelles inside your cells that produce ATP or energy for your cells. The one organ in your body that has the most mitochondria in it is your heart. It needs energy all day long from conception. And we know there's going to be cardiovascular disease on this list from the FDA. I mentioned in October, they mentioned myocardial infarction. These are heart attacks. We know they're going to happen. Thousands already have. It's going to be no different. The end result for the AstraZeneca and the Johnson Johnson vaccine is identical to the Pfizer and Moderna. They are not different. The goal is to get your own body to elicit and create a spike protein, which is what they have found is on the outside of the SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus. They want your body to look like a spike protein. There is a ton of problems related to this. And if you haven't, I don't know when you guys had Sherry Tenpenny on, but this last weekend, we're going to have her on my show to actually discuss this. On her site, D-R-T-E-N-P-E-N-N-Y, if you want to learn every mechanism of injury she's put together, 2,000 hours she's reviewed this information since December, she has listed for you 20 ways with research articles proving it, 20 ways the COVID-19 vaccines, which includes AstraZeneca, are going to cause disease and death. That is the actual title of her presentation. It's free. You can go get it. Wow. There's nothing classical about AstraZeneca. I know it was banned in 27 countries at one point. I know it's permanently banned now from like 18 to 20. Uh, they should all be wiped from the earth. They're all extremely dangerous and have the exact same end result. Thank you so much. And and the situation is um, many people who got the vaccination, it's very interesting. They say they feel very well. Yeah. So, and I said, okay, let's wait for the autumn because... Um, in my opinion, uh, there is a systematic inflammatory response syndrome. And uh, can you also explain it a little bit about that? Because the situation is the people got the artificial um, coronavirus right now. And we know it from SARS-CoV-1 that if you if um, animals or if human beings are, um, are affected by natural coronavirus, then you have two coronavirus in the, in the body. And this makes this systematic inflammatory response syndrome. Is that correct? Yep. It's called antibody de dependent enhancement. So, oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. so what is happening is you're going to be injected with a vaccine that it's not even a vaccine, by the way, people, you have to understand this is the first time in history. When you mentioned classical vaccines, like a classical vaccine, classical vaccines either have a part of the virus. They're actually uh, vaccinating you against. They are injecting either particles of it or the actual virus to get your body to see it and then create antibodies to attack it. This is the first time in recorded history a vaccine was ever made to not even include any of the SARS-CoV-2 particle or virus in it. These are not classical vaccines at all. So what happens is, is regardless, when you actually inject your body 
with the, any of these vaccines, remember the end result's the same. mRNA is going to be converting your own DNA into what's called a spike protein to look like a spike protein that looks like SARS-CoV-2. It's your own cells and your own DNA, by the way. And then your own body's going to make antibodies to attack it. Now, the actual transgene, the AstraZeneca one they're injecting you with, and the mRNA fragment from the Pfizer and Moderna one, when they put that into you, it is genetically modified. It has a genetic code sequence. Your body's going to be making antibodies, your own antibodies in your own body, to attack and actually handle and get rid of to try to kill off this sequenced spike protein. Well, the next time you get any kind of variant into your body, any other form of a coronavirus, or you've heard about these variants now throughout the world that vaccinated people are having a problem with, there's a big difference between artificial injections into you to create an antibody against a one specific type of genome DNA virus or your own spike protein, then being exposed to a variant. Because what's going to happen is you create your own antibodies, your antibodies called there's what's called macrophages. They come and gobble up the spike protein. And what happens is, whether it's COVID, whether it's the flu, if you actually get it and the macrophage is eating it up, this antibody-dependent enhancement occurs when these spike protein-type viruses get into the macrophage. And while they're inside the macrophage, this thing's trying to kill it and chew it up and spit it out. That's what your immune system does, by the way. When it does that, the actual SARS-CoV-2 virus or the mRNA spike protein you created in your body actually figures out how to destroy the macrophage and then escapes. It becomes more virulent the next time you're exposed to a wild virus of the coronavirus. This is why we saw in SARS-CoV-1 when they did tests on animals, the trials never got out of vaccinating animals and, go, and went to humans because when the animals were given the vaccine of the coronavirus spike protein or mRNA in those cases, when they were exposed to the wild viruses, their bodies had no ability with the macrophages to attack. And there was just this first M1 macrophage that goes in and attacks the infection. It was creating all this mucus to kill off the infection, congesting their lungs, and the animals all died. This was a overreaction of the immune system because the spike proteins hurt the second line of defense in your body called M2 macrophages, which is like the cleanup crew for your body. They remove all the dead particles and all the torn up infections that were in your body. There's two phases of your immune system that are very, very important. The spike protein is damaging to your immune system. It will hurt your immune system. It will create also an antibody-dependent enhancement, which makes you more sick. I don't even know if you've seen this yet for all you people. Anybody that's getting flu shots around the world, be ready. It's already been proven that there's 36 times more likelihood of hospitalizations and deaths with individuals 65 years and older who get a flu shot and then get the COVID-19 vaccine. So be ready because now they're talking about that the Moderna and the Pfizer one aren't as effective as we thought they were. The lifespan immunity from these two shots might be only nine months, might be only a year. We're going to have to do this every year with booster shots. The truth is, if you never got the shot in the first place, you would have natural immunity if you ever were exposed to COVID. That natural immune killer cells in your body called NK cells, they would handle any variant that came along in the future. You would have lifelong immunity. With the shots, it's only specific towards one variant. So if you ever come across another one and you have this over immune response, you're going to be really sick, really dead in a lot of cases like these SARS and MERS coronavirus type vaccine research trials that were done in the early 2000s. 
This is going to be a huge problem. This fall is going to be tremendously dreadful. In fact, there's research articles stating that autoimmune diseases are going to be millions of them are going to show up hundreds of millions in the next 10 years, but it's going to take years for your own antibodies to tear up your cells enough to start to where you start having symptoms. I've studied autoimmune disease a long time. It takes sometimes 18 months, sometimes two years, sometimes five years for the, the magnitude of symptoms and destruction in the body for you to start feeling it. <laughs> and it's going to be horrific. We already know this is coming and the spike proteins are going to be one of the big parts of why this is happening. And they're injecting you with 50 billion mRNA particles in the AstraZeneca and Johnson and Johnson, the trans genes. And then they're also putting it in the, as mRNA inside of the Pfizer and Moderna. They are creating an assault. Uh, and it's going to be horrific to watch, especially upon these next exposures to viral seasons. Wow. Um, and uh, Dr. Rainer Filmich, I don't know whether you know him. He is a German lawyer, German and lawyer, and who also works in America. And uh, he exposed that um, the pharmaceutical industry admits that the side effects can be transmitted by the vaccine persons to the unvaccine persons. Do you have a comment about that as well? Oh, I do. Uh, there's the Pfizer trial documents when they actually set up the parameters for their study on COVID-19 when they started injecting everybody underneath this emergency use authorization. There's a document. It's 146 pages. I've reviewed the whole thing. It tells you who can be in the study and who cannot. And then it tells you how to list for those who are overseeing the trial participants. They actually have them report adverse events to the vaccines or what are called serious adverse events. So adverse events would be mild common symptoms, uh, flu-like symptoms, nausea, body aches. Those are your adverse events. Then they have what are called serious adverse events to be reported to the Pfizer group. And serious adverse events would be those that are life-threatening. This is what's insane. They actually get the, the male participants to agree to not have sex 28 days after getting the shot because they know it can be transmitted. Whatever's in that shot can be transmitted through semen and become problematic to a pregnant person or fetus or fertility for that girl, for that matter. Also in this, in this document, I couldn't believe it. It actually states if an individual participating in the study gets the shots and they are around a pregnant woman who has not been vaccinated and that pregnant woman breathes in the air, the individual is breathing who got the shot. If through inhalation of air or through skin contact, the pregnant person touches the skin of the participant in the study that the individual getting the shots is to report it to Pfizer's sponsor, the person giving the jabs and overseeing the trial participants. And then it tells them they have to, within 24 hours report to the Pfizer safety board that a serious adverse event has occurred to the pregnant woman who was not vaccinated, but was just exposed to breathing the same air or may have touched the skin of the individual in the trial. It is to be reported as a serious adverse event, and the individual overseeing the participants is expected for the next six months to follow the pregnant woman who is not participating in the trial and did not get the shot, but who was exposed through air and touch. They are required to follow them. It even goes even further and says, if the baby is born, the sponsor for the trial group can go look to see if the baby was born with birth defects or if the baby was miscarried or stillbirth and can report it back to the Pfizer board. He has that option. 
Now, my problem is, is if they're vaccinating you with something that's beneficial to your health, how is it so dangerous to an unpregnant or to a pregnant woman who's just breathing the same air as you or might touch the skin of you? That should create a great hesitancy in anyone in any household to not have people in their house get vaccinated if they are pregnant. Because there's something known or unknown that makes Pfizer aware that it has to be reported in 24 hours that a serious adverse event has occurred to the pregnant woman who was exposed. So they did not also allow any pregnant people in the study. And for every shot, the two shots, they have to be tested before each shot to determine if they're pregnant or not. They cannot get the shot if they're pregnant or test positive. And they have to be pregnancy tested before they got the shot. And now they're trying to force this on Americans, at least to have it done to pregnant women and children. Stanford's reporting, let's do it to six month olds, up to five year olds and all pregnant women. It's not even allowed in the trial group to include pregnant women. And the pregnant women who aren't even participating in the study are at risk for serious adverse events per Pfizer's document. If they're just exposed to someone with the shots. Uh, remember, Every single one of these shots, AstraZeneca included, has the same end result. mRNA, converting your own cells to spike proteins. These spike proteins are what cause disease. In the pregnant women, we know it's going gonna, it's gonna to injure what's called the syncytin 1 gene, which allows a woman to get pregnant and actually get an egg to implant into the uterine walls. This is why there have been reported miscarriages within 48 hours, even in second and third trimesters in America. Uh, this is very, very stressful. It should be very, very worrisome for every pregnant woman. Uh, I would have a hard time trusting getting these shots or being around people that are actually having the shots personally. Well, thank you, Dr. R. This is, uh, I have so many questions, but and we can, we can discuss. I think every one of us can make one show with you, uh, but I pass now to Dr. To Dr. Carl. Well, I'm <laughs> I told you I got to tell midnight. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. Hello, Dr. Argus. Um, as, as I say from a movie, I... As I say from a movie, I'm not a real doctor. Uh, I'm a, a physicist and a homeopath. So um, that's where I'm coming from. Um, wow, where do we begin? I'm not sure I'd want to be a real doctor right now anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I seriously, the licenses are being threatened if they don't go, yep. they don't do what you say. That's just crazy. Crazy. Yeah, and they have to stay quiet. They can't speak out or lose their job. And if they do, it's a whole, Yeah. I don't know it's if you've seen smart. this. The American Medical Association for all the medical doctors in America actually has on their website a list of expected social tags to put on their social media, such as hashtag get vaccinated. It has a list of like 100 things you have to say if you actually get on social media. They expect you to say it. If you say anything to the, to the alternative, uh, you'll be threatened, I guess. With may, your I, may I say something? Sorry. Uh, this is very uh, sorry, Carl, but I think this is very important. A couple of days ago, the Medical Association in Germany made the recommendation to make forced vaccinations in schools from the first class. It will come, and they want to make this forced vaccination before the next year starts. So I think in three, four months, they want to start with it. 
Pfizer well, pushing for that approval here too in, in the United States. This week they may have gotten the approval, but it's for 12 to 15 year olds. Wow. Yeah, okay. the, uh, the our fearless leader of the country, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, he said uh, because we have extra vaccines, we should just uh, um, inject the children, not to waste them. <laughs> so, so, you know, where do you where do you start with that? But um, yeah, I mean, this whole thing is it's blatantly obvious when you start to look at just even start to look at it. At, at, at any level, like like here in Ireland, <clears throat> there's all this hype about the hospitals being flooded uh, with all these people coming in. But they forgot that every year prior to this year, uh, they had a thing called the trolley watch, whereas there was people who didn't have enough rooms in the hospital were being treated in the, tro- in, in, in the corridors. And they used to go around in the news and show um, each hospital, how many people were in a trolley? And the numbers were quite high, they were in the hundreds. And, uh, but they forget this. Now it's the COVID, uh, only the COVID could do something like this. And the numbers haven't really changed. Influenza's disappeared, uh, which, is in, which is an incredible um, feat. Um, but anyway. Um, COVID so cured the flu. What? COVID cured the flu. Fine. Yeah, so this is the positive side of it, you know, and you know people should appreciate this. No kidding. You know? we, we have wasted and, decades of injecting people with these flu vaccines that never worked. We just needed yeah. a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard someone the other day saying being interviewed and they said, you know, I'm trying my best to try to get COVID. You know, <laughs> well, you know, you don't hear that often. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it, it becomes obvious because if you look at these, these, you know, the vaccines, they're not vaccines. Originally they were called Im- immunizations where, and then there were vaccines. And, and originally that was to sort of, you give the body a small sample of the offending substance to teach it and it would learn, it would adapt. But these new breed, uh, they bypass, they don't ask the body any questions to go right into the, right into the cell with their little lipid part, little lipid nanoparticle and to establish an inner war. Isn't that it? It must be, as you were explaining, it creates these spike proteins to elicit a response, antibody response. And this battle can go on indefinitely. Uh, They don't know. That's part of the experiment. Does it die off at a certain point? Or can can it accelerate and get worse? What you're saying is, it's it it's it's far worse the way you explained it. It was quite uh, illuminating for me. Um, Twenty two diseases from the spike protein. My God! And it goes when the cell bursts. It goes into the blood. Everything becomes a target within your body for this uh, artificial. Yeah. It is disgusting, actually, and uh, I don't know if you know about this, but inside of the AstraZeneca and Johnson Johnson vaccine is what's called polysorbate eighty. Uh, this uh, inside of the Pfizer Moderna is what's called PEG 2000, and it's a polyethylene glycol. Both of these things are proven. Both of these additives are proven to even cross the blood-brain barrier <laughs> and yeah. take into the brain whatever it is you're trying to inject into the patient. They already knew they could do this with vaccines early on, even childhood vaccines. They learned that uh, you could get a 20 times old increase of delivery 
uh, using polysorbate 80 and the likes of PEG, getting aluminum metals and adjuvants that are inside of vaccines and childhood vaccines to the brain. And this is how why you're going to see so many neurological issues. And you have to understand too, when people, for example, when I say it's it could be years down the road that you're going to see the problems, you have to know there currently isn't any long-term studies. In fact, I don't even think they're setting it up to be that way because Pfizer, for example, and Moderna are offering the trial participants for a 21-day period of a trial for vaccines. The people who are the controls not getting it, they're actually offering it to them at the end of the 21 days. And that's that totally defeats the purpose for being able to have a control group to actually compare to in the future. The only people you're going to be able to compare to are, the, are those of us saying, I'm not getting the shot. So I guess you can look at us later. But uh, it's just disgusting. In your body, you know this. It takes, by the time someone has symptoms, for example, pancreatic cancer, by the time the individual starts spitting up blood and having pain every time he swallows any food, the actual cancer has been growing in his body for seven to 10 years on average. It takes seven years or so to get so much cancer growth inside of your pancreas that you start to have symptoms. And then you're diagnosed with a, with a pancreatic cancer. Then they're told you only have like 12 months to live, but you think you've only had this disease for a year. You haven't, you've had it for years. You just didn't know you had it. Similar to the autoimmune diseases, those take time to develop, no different than a mass or a tumor does also in cancer or to become metastatic. It is going to continue and ripple problems throughout our bodies for the next easily 10 years you're going to see. And it's just going to take time for these spike protein antibodies your body's making against all four of these shots currently uh, that are going to destroy. We know 28 current tissues of the body that these antibodies attack and cause disease in. That's the antibodies that your body's making against the spike protein, not just the spike protein. You've got both of them. So you're going to have 50 billion injected mRNA into you. You're going to create 50 billion at least spike proteins. And then your body's going to create 50 billion antibodies against those. You've got yeah, you're, things. Your body's producing both, all the energy it takes. To, it's, 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 it's powering both sides of the battle within your body. Absolutely. Um, I see this. You, you talked about the immune system being attacked. Uh, the mic microphages come in first. The spike pre learns how to deal with it, becomes more virulent. Um, there's this kind of two-phase thing you're talking about. It's like they lay out the vaccines. Nothing happens. You wait till something else happens. Boom. Um, you know, when I was studying chemistry, uh, there'd be a long bench. You might be eight people, four on the side of the bench. And uh, we pour some chemicals down, and they go down near the drain. But we clogged the drain up, and then we had some more chemicals, and when they would hit, it would go boom or a flash, and the person down at the other end would get in trouble. So it's kind of that sort of thing. You're, you're putting something out there, and, you know, you're vaccinating. You get all the binding uh, antibodies uh, in your body, and then the real virus, RA virus or coronavirus, comes along, and the body over-responds. And it seemingly seemed to be a different thing. Same with the autoimmune diseases. Way down the road, you know, because there's not a holistic viewpoint, it'll be seen as a completely separate and individual thing. Um, and so it's like, it's diabolical because it naturally seems to cover its own tracks. Um, so there's that whole other side. This is incredible. Um, They're going to yeah. put vaccines into you. They're going to get your body to make whole bunch of spike proteins 
The problem with this SARS-CoV-2 virus is it has this spike protein that was damaging to the second phase of defense in your lungs, for example. You have the first attack from the macrophages, M1. Then M2 comes in and cleans up all the mucus and pus and debris from the kill-off from M1, the first defense. The spike protein can kill the second phase of the immune system called the macrophage, two. And then you, all you have is this huge assault and you're creating all this mucus and pus and, and these people can't breathe. <laughs> I mean, they're creating trauma also to the alveolar sacs where they couldn't breathe, which is why they had to go on ventilators. But when you damage, the spike proteins are proven to damage these M2 uh, immune response. When that happens and you have damage to those, you're going to get what's called the cytokine storm. Cytokine storm is, is an abundance and overcreation a reaction by the first phase of defense called M1 macrophages. And it just creates wrecks havoc on you. So as these vaccines go in your body, you're going to be destroying aspects of your immune system as your body's making antibodies and creating these spike proteins that are damaging to your immune system. And that's why we worry about the fall coming up. That's why we worry about all future diseases coming up to you. Um, this, this whole thing of the vaccinated affecting the unvaccinated is quite frightening with just even a touch um, because I was thinking there might be a minimum threshold of particles. You know, the virus hurts them like a thousand, but um, a single breath, a touch. Um, so my question is, is do you see this vaccine shedding or spread of whatever it is? Do you see this as more dangerous than COVID? Uh, I think it presents obviously trauma to pregnant women if they're exposed to them and <laughs> people knew that so it's going to be dangerous yeah. to them and their fetuses and their neurological development in the womb uh for sure <laughs> it's got to be a threat to others but i would ask you guys as a panel when have you ever ever heard of any medication or any kind of treatment medically given to a human being who then is warned for those who are not receiving the medication or the treatment since when have you ever heard another scenario i have i'm unfamiliar <laughs> When have you ever heard that other individuals who are not participating to have inhalation exposure to that person could be dangerous or life-threatening to them uh, or through skin contact? I mean, I really don't, I, I don't, I will tell you, we don't know what we're shedding. We don't know what's the threat. We don't know. Somebody knows that there is a threat or they wouldn't be printing it as a warning in these trials. And we are seeing the effects on menstruating, like menstrual girls and young adults, but even in babies, you're seeing babies in households of those vaccinated up to six months old that are actually shedding blood clots now within days of other household members being vaccinated, not themselves. We're seeing six-year-old girls fluffing uterine tissue like they're in menses all of a sudden. Uh, there's an effect, obviously, here. I'll, I'll open it up to you guys. When have you ever seen anything like this? I'll just tell you what my very first thoughts were when I was reading the Pfizer 146-page document over the criteria and the layout of their trial for COVID-19 vaccines. It actually reminded me of radiation poisoning. You don't want to be exposed to these people. You don't want to touch these people. You don't want to be breathing around them. I don't have a Geiger counter to figure that out yet, but it would be interesting to scan those vaccinated people and go, what are they injecting inside of you? I just don't, it's just the oddest thing. And if you guys have seen something else like it, enlighten me. Um, I want to mention something because um, our lawyer here in Germany said, because the Pfizer and all these companies, they knew about these side effects. So they distribute this uh, product intentionally. 
And for this reason, if they if they produce it intentionally and bring it on the market intentionally, in that moment they can be reliable for it. So the act of 1986 is is it, there's a season to desist because they they did it intentionally. Do you see it in the same way? Well, there's an attorney here in Ohio named Thomas Renz. I don't know if y'all had him on yet, but he's been on my show and we've talked a lot. But uh, Thomas Renz is already suing the CDC. He's going after the Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, him and I have reviewed that Pfizer document together. And this is some of the stuff that we're, we're going after. He is actually going around this country now, starting in Texas, looking for a state to help pass a transparency litigation where it will require the CDC to open up all of its data from every research study. Every drug manufacturer, vaccine manufacturer will have to release all of their data if it is relating to health inside of this country. So that would be the first step is getting this transparency litigation. And then if that was the case and we succeed in any states, all you got to do is get a handful. And if we can do that, then uh, by far, we know we can go after them at that point. Thank you. Please go so, on. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just wanted to, um, before I pass you on to, uh, to Mary, um, it seems that we're being made into bioweapons. And if they're going to be, I've heard like the MR, M, mRNA vaccines, the act is, it's because it's a synthetic uh, um, particle that's being replicated that's in it. So it acts as a payload. So maybe with later down a few years, vaccinations, different payload, different bio, different bio, different walking bioweapon, uh, different effects. I just a thought. Um, it Even looks nasty. It does look nasty. And if there, if there is any aspect of this that is a bioweapon, uh, that is problematic, obviously. And we don't even know. Uh, how technology might be influencing this bioweapon to even injure us in the future or how it's designed, what it's designed to do. We know what they're telling us, but I'm telling you, even if it's a bioweapon, I'm just telling you from the beginning, knowing that the FDA knew that it was, that there was 110 known life-threatening diseases as side effects to these coming vaccines, that should be enough to thwart anybody's wishes to have these injections. Uh, regardless of how it's occurring, how it was designed, either as a bioweapon or its intent, they had this list uh, two months before those shots ever were starting to be administered. And they never told anyone that this was going to happen to you. So we've currently in this country already had 150,000 already reported adverse events, over 25,000 of these serious adverse events reported. And I don't know if you want me to elaborate on this anymore, but you should know this. When we talk about the reporting system here in the United States, which the majority of these organizations in this country are dictating regulatory issues with vaccines around the world, the, the FDA uh, created this list. The VARS reporting, which is Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting Systems for the American government, it's the only place to track injuries from vaccines. The incredible institution of Harvard in 2010 10 years before this coronavirus pandemic, they reported on this VARS reporting system and found less than 1% of all vaccine injuries are reported to the government. And what they found was the limiting factors were this. Medical doctors didn't even know about VARS, didn't even know they were supposed to report injuries. That was the number one limiting factor. Number two was it was duplicit. If they had to write it down in their own notes that something happened to a child from a vaccine or an adult with a vaccine, 
they then had to go into a reporting system and rewrite the report again. So they didn't want to disrupt their workflow. So Harvard was trying to work with the CDC directly for three years to improve and automate this system for vaccine reporting because Harvard wanted to see if we could improve the knowledge and awareness of the efficacy of drugs and the danger of drugs. But you only have, you can only do that from reports. <laughs> if it's being reported, it's dangerous. But less than 1% of all vaccine injuries were reported. They also found that 25% of all patients in ambulances between hospitals and their homes or wherever, 25% of all ambulatory patients experienced side effects from the actual drugs in the ambulances. And less than 0.3% of all of those were ever reported. Uh, less than 1% of all vaccines, though, injuries were ever reported. So when I throw out these numbers for you, when I say 3,500, or sorry, it's over 4,000 now, as of last yeah. week, 4,000 people have died in America from the shots within 48 hours or a week. If you trust Harvard as an institution, it's like asking, do you tr trust Oxford? And it's been around forever. But Harvard, for Americans, if you trust Harvard and its statistics, you have to add two zeros to every single one of these stats. So 4,000, you would add two more zeros to that, and you're up to 40,000 possible deaths. You go to the 150,000 reported adverse events, and you can throw two zeros on that. Now you're into the 10 millions. I mean, it just keeps going. So you don't know exactly what's happening to these people. 25,000 serious adverse events from this actual list from the FDA in October has already been reported. That means there's over 250,000 of these already. Well, in America, only 580,000 people supposedly died from COVID, and those numbers are not true. But we're already at half of that total, 500,000 people died of COVID in, in America. We're already at half of that injured seriously with life-threatening issues for the rest of their life from the COVID-19 shots in the first four months. I find that disgusting. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's shocking. I just, just briefly, it's uh, those numbers are greater than the combined adverse effects in the last 15 years or something like that. I heard that today. Yep. And reported deaths. Yes. Yeah. And the swine flu, they, they shut things down at 53 deaths because there was a liability. But now we're over 4,000. They keep on pushing them. Thank you very much, doctor. You're very welcome. And that's just for America. We're talking about the whole world on this panel right now. Uh, it's, it's atrocity. And it's disgusting. And to me... It is pure evil. Yep. I mean, you only can be evil to know there's 3,500 people, 4,000 now in America and all around the world that are dying. Did you hear this last week that there's this company in America called Peloton? They make a treadmill and a, a bicycle. This, this one child died from results of injury from the treadmill. As of that death, the company reported they were halting all manufacture of that actual product. And they lost huge amounts of money in their stock, like some $4 billion that went down in one day when they reported the injury and death. There was financial consequences to this company, this private company, for one child's death. And in America, you've had over 4,000 reported within 48 hours to one week from our COVID-19 shots. There's been no financial issue. There's been no pause for any of these. Uh, you, people should wake up and realize yeah. it does not make common sense that a private entity can pay and be hurt for injuring one kid. And these other organizations can get away with thousands without repercussions of any kind. Uh, it, it should be appalling to any human being.
Thank you. Yeah, and I'll, I'll jump in too. And I think that information is not going to be known, unfortunately. Um, some people who are deciding whether they're going to get the job, I hear, are saying, well, let's wait and see. But if they're still believing only what they see on the mainstream TV, those those numbers that you look up on VAERS, you know, if you add a few more zeros to it, those aren't going to be, be reported, so people aren't going to be aware of that. And um, I wanted to ask, you talked about your sister in, in the beginning, and um, you had a really positive spin on the way um, that you handled that and saw it as an opportunity. And um, and I believe you said it turned out that she had parasites and when they diagnosed her with the SLE. How did, how did you um, they actually go about um, discovering that in that case? For my sister, it's, it was 12 years, obviously, that I was off going into schooling for chiropractic school, acupuncture school, becoming a certified clinical nutritionist. And then being in practice, I was in practice at that point when she moved to Dallas for me to help her. Uh, I'd been in practice already seven years. So I was using all these different modalities on people to see, can I reverse diabetes? Can I actually get rid of people's migraines for good? Can I, can I help with uh, myo, uh, cardiomyopathies? Can I, can I reverse these things? And we found out that we could. And, and when I saw it, it could be repeated in one autoimmune case after another. I had not treated a lupus case yet. I was waiting for her. So once she actually started having dreams, she got married uh, at 22 years old. And she had dreams uh, about having children with her husband, but they got married knowing she was never going to be able to have children. That was the anticipation from when she was 11 because of these drugs. It was a very hard for 12 years, by the way. My parents forbid me to talk to my sister about healing her. Uh, they actually, my dad actually threatened me physically that if I ever took her off her drugs or tried to convince her that I could help her or help her cure her of lupus, he would physically beat me up or hurt me. Uh, and I heard this for 12 years. So I was doing this kind of in secret, but this was the whole drive, the whole motivation. Uh, she started having dreams about having children and she prayed about it to God. And in her prayers, she said, when she called me, uh, God spoke to her and said, you can have children. The visions are of your children that you and your husband will have and your brother in Dallas can help you. So that's how she ended up coming to Dallas from Arizona where she was living uh, and at that time, I had learned a muscle testing technique from a medical doctor up in Washington named Dr. Klinghart. And one of the things he evaluates for is, uh, I believe he's German, by the way, but uh, anyway, he's, uh, he's up in Washington State. And he has these test kits, these homeopathic kits that can actually help you analyze through muscle testing what's inside the body. And I got very, very good and accurate results for these seven years or so in practice using these techniques. And as soon as she came in, <laughs> Uh, we knew within five minutes, I knew what she had. Uh, I just, it just took her getting to my office for me to actually, or to come be in Dallas where I was. Uh, my parents had forbid her to talk to me basically for 12 years. But uh, anyway, I made her work in my office as my office manager so I could actually evaluate her every day. So as I tested her and then gave her the Chinese herbs, minerals, and vitamins to repair her spleen and her liver and her kidneys that were damaged now by these drugs for 12 years, as we re I had to watch her every day because I wanted to make sure as she was healing, there weren't complications that my dad would come back and threaten me with or try to kill me. Really? It was, he was like a bully to me. So I actually kept her under wraps, kept her there. We didn't tell my dad for a year what we were doing with her. Uh, she actually went to my parents and finally told them that I had helped her reverse her lupus by clearing out parasites. And we waited until a year after 
she came off the last drug, which we weaned her off of a three-month period. So for two months, while on her medications, we treated her for parasites. Uh, then after they were all gone and we weren't treating her for those anymore, it was now time to wean her off the three drugs. At the end of the weaning period, uh, remember the doctor said that she could not have children because the drugs would have side effects of birth defects or stillbirths. You know the human body stores drugs in the fat cells of the body and other tissues of the body. And I knew that when she gets pregnant, eventually she's going to have this release of what's called HCG hormone. And it was going to start shrinking fat cells and whatever's in them is going to go into the bloodstream. And I worried that any of those medications could come out that were stored for 12 years uh, and injure the baby when she got pregnant. So I said, please let me detox you for one year from the date she stopped the medications. And we use things like chlorella and Spanish black radish and uh, bentonite clay to help detox her body of the drugs for a year. And at, at a year, I told her she could get pregnant or start or try to get pregnant. And in that same month, she actually got pregnant. And that kid's now nine years old, almost 10. We'll be 10 in November. She's had four cents, completely healthy, totally fine. Uh, but that's how I knew about the parasites. Now, since then, I will tell you, I have actually studied parasites for 15 years now. There is actually a clinic in America. I don't know about Ireland, Germany, Singapore. I think Singapore is probably more open to this than most places. But in America, 77% of all chronic illnesses have a parasite connection the parasites living in their body and no one's looking at it. There is a clinic inside of Scottsdale, Arizona called PCI. Dr. Omar Amin is a 30 year parasitologist. He has five PhDs. He's actually named and found 17 new species of parasites that infect humans. Uh, and I have a, a working relationship with him now and I've had him on my podcast to discuss this. He's been able to actually prove after 30 years of taking stool samples and evaluating for the four major types of parasites in the world, which are, roundworms, tapeworms, flukes, and protozoa. His clinic in America is the only one that looks at all four types. There's no other clinic in America that does it. There are some in Nigeria I know that do, uh, but by far this is the most extensive one. So uh, he's been able to prove, and we've got the data to support it, that 44% of all colorectal cancer in America is caused by protozoa parasites. And this fits in line with the autoimmune issue. It fits in line with cancer issues. There's a lot of, uh, remember, any tissue damage in the body from spike proteins from these vaccines, from spike proteins from the coronavirus, from the antibodies, uh, from parasites, any trauma to cells that damages the gene code or the nucleus of that cell elicits either a mutagenesis, which is cycling of new mutated cells to cause cancer cells, or you're going to create an autoimmune disease. Uh, and this is the case for my sister. So right now I use PCI's testing center. It's called ParasiteTesting.com. You click on test. It's the very first test. It's a full GI panel with a bacterial swab. And they evaluate for all four major types of parasites, different types of fungi, and a whole host of toxic bacteria that thrive in the body when parasites are present that create all kinds of digestive issues and autoimmune diseases. They're all linked. So uh, to educate people about parasites, that stool sample testing is by far. I use muscle testing to, to actually reverse my sisters and identify it. Using homeopathic kits, I learned from a technique from Dr. Klinghart. Uh, but uh, you can use this ParasiteTesting.com as a reference for those in America anyway. But there are parasite testing centers all around the world. This just happens to be the greatest one in North America. A really powerful story about your sister. Thanks for sharing that. And um, my, my doctorate is in pharmacy. So um, one job I had was working as a specialty pharmacist for an insurance company. And the actual training, um, you know, part of it is about autoimmune diseases and reviewing them all. 
and basically saying we don't know what causes this you know basically you know, they're basically, there is no hope. And, you know, here's your specialty drug that costs thousands of dollars and, you know, all the side effects. Um, so that's really, really interesting um, to hear for sure and very positive. And, um, uh, yeah, and I've also, you're mentioning about your father-in-law in the hospital and the, the symptoms and that, that experience. And um, in your um, view or, you know, to your knowledge, is there a new novel than um, disease that we're seeing? Or in that example, the different things that you talked about with uh, the organ failure and you talked about the vancomycin, those could be a result of the medications. Um, and maybe to tie into that too, some of the medication they're using is like the ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and antiparasite medication to treat um, people who have these COVID-like illness. Yeah, for everybody, if for everyone we're talking to, I always tell people, please, please don't believe me. <laughs> like, go do your own research. Uh, I have a huge report that includes every contact you can think of as far as linked on online to documents and government agencies. If they've even moved them, I've still got them downloaded and can send them to you. But to be informed brings power. You can only have you can only have assurance and confidence in decisions you're making about your health if you actually are informed. It's very easy to bully someone, scare them when they're uneducated. So I try to just inform people as much as possible. And one of the things you need to know is you asked about, is this like a novel thing? I don't know if you, I, I know you went through school at some point, but coronaviruses, I remember reading about back in uh, 2004 when I was in chiropractic school and having to do board exams, coronaviruses are not new. They've been around for years. I have, I have encyclopedia books of natural medicines that talked about natural healing for coronavirus infections. This is from 2000. That's what they're copyrighted, right? These are not new things. Coronaviruses have been around for millennia. This has been an introduction of some sort, whether it was planned, orchestrated, uh, was it out of the Wuhan lab? Was it a part of gain-of-function research on viruses, which we know has actually been funded and attempted to do? It, it wouldn't even matter. It doesn't matter. The body can handle this infection. 99.997% of the time, all human beings around the planet were able to kill off the coronavirus, remove it from their body. We're talking about COVID-19. Remove it from their body without any serious illness or death. The orchestrated attempt by the media and by the governments of this world and health, World Health Organization to convince you through fear and through censoring the media, controlling the media, and only shoving down your throat exaggerated numbers of deaths caused by COVID-19. That was disgusting because uh, these weren't real numbers, by the way. In fact, of all the people that died of COVID-19 in this country, 94% of them, CDC reported, 94% of them had comorbidities. So how could you actually say it was COVID-19? You have no idea. Uh, you have no idea. It could be as little as 6% of all those that got COVID died from the actual COVID-19 infection. And then you, Dr. Mary, uh, are you a pharmacist? Yeah. Okay. So in pharmacy, this is one thing that's never been brought up. I've brought it up on a few shows, but when they continued to talk about all year long that those who were immunosuppressed were actually more threatened by the COVID-19 infection to be hospitalized and then to eventually die... Uh, there is a drug that every pharmacist has been writing prescriptions for, filling prescriptions for by the MDs writing them. And this drug in the year 2020, 
Actually, there was 37 million prescriptions written in just America for this one drug called prednisone. There are tons of 65-year-old and older who are dealing with autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis, uh, lupus, fibromyalgia, osteoarthritis. They're dealing with pain syndromes. The majority of them are on some corticosteroid, and these steroids are actually known immune suppressants. You use it to shut off the immune system. And every time this drug is given to a human and they swallow that pill, it suppresses their immune system. It automatically makes that demographic of people, the 65-year-old and older, who are all on corticosteroids of some sort to control their inflammation in their body in America, their immune systems are being suppressed by a drug they are being prescribed. All of them were at higher risk for the flu, for pneumonia, for COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2. It wouldn't have mattered. Every infection now, they are told, shouldn't go around people that are sick because you now are unable to fight infections as well as you did before. Your immune system is being suppressed. There was a 1970 study done on corticosteroids. 70% of your white blood cells made in your bone marrow is reduced 70 by 70% within four hours of oral administration of prednisone. How in the world did we expect them to fight influenza any given year? How do we expect them to fight some new novel bat virus, coronavirus? Uh, to me, it's just an atrocity. The pharmaceutical companies are suppressing immune systems of individuals around the world for issues that they are never looking for the cause for. Like when I mentioned my sister's autoimmune disease, every single person living with autoimmune disease has a cause. And they continue to go to a profession, a rheumatologist or a general practitioner, who will flat out tell them, we don't know what causes it and we don't know how to fix it. It's amazing. Every disease in the American model and around the world, the medical profession conventionally has no answers for it. They don't know what causes it. They don't know how to fix it. These are your drug treatment options. Those drugs have side effects. In fact, my pharmacology teacher taught us there are no side effects to drugs, only effects. They just list the ones that aren't good for you as side effects to try to mitigate your worries. But they all have horrible side effects. Drug companies, I'll, I'll talk to you, Ms. Pharmacist, which is great, Dr. Mary. The pharmaceutical company creates drugs. Every drug has side effects. Do we know of any drugs that don't have side effects? Have we ever seen a commercial or heard a radio announcement of zero side effects? How in the world can any human being who has listened for the last all of their lifetime, however old they are, have been aware that every drug has negative side effects? How in the world can we be convinced that the same corporations that make every drug that has all of them have side effects, how is it possible that they are creating vaccines of any kind. They're the only ones making them that are 100% safe and effective all the time. It is so moronic to even think we think there's a 100% safe and effective device made by these pharmaceutical companies that create non-natural things that are going to create unnatural symptoms inside your body. Your symptoms are natural. It's your body's doesn't like whatever's in your body. So it's trying to get rid of it, whether it's an infection or a toxin. Your symptoms are alerts to you that something's wrong in your body. And most drugs are designed to just shut off your symptoms. You never fix what causes the symptoms in the first place. You've got a patient for life. Uh, and these vaccines are going to create more patients for the pharmaceutical industry for life. I just gave you a list of 110 diseases the FDA knew were going to be created that are lifelong. And then what are they going to prescribe you to handle those symptoms in the future? Drugs. It's a great, great racket. 
Exactly. Yeah. And with the side effects, I see that as uh, just a propaganda piece calling it a side effect. Just, oh, don't worry. That's just a side effect, but it's all effects, just like you were saying. And the, the professionals that talk about with autoimmune and other conditions basically saying, oh, there's no hope here, but here's a drug and this is how um, we think it works. And it's speculative, a mechanism of action and the list of all the, the possible side effects. So exactly. It's just a, a cycle of, you know, problem. Uh, reaction solution. And um, before I um, pass it over to Steve, um, I, I know Carl and you discussed a little bit about the shedding, and I think that's what's on a lot of people's minds. And I think a lot of it we just don't know exactly. Is it if someone takes the job a certain amount of time, or is it just going to be continuous? Do we have to do something, you know, are we going to the grocery store or just being close to people? Um, so, do you have any other information, you know, exactly on, you know, people listening, what they can, anything they can do practically? And this is for me, right? Yes. Okay, good. I, I'm always waiting for somebody else to answer, maybe. Okay, so we do know, and in Dr. Timpany's Mechanism of Injury report she just released on Saturday, which uh, we can send you that report, you can go get it at drtimpany.com. She actually talks about how it is when this virus, the coronavirus, and the spike proteins created by the vaccines you're getting injected to, how exactly she can prove that it makes the actual virus more virulent and easier to escape from you. And she's got the research articles to back that up. So you can call that shedding. She likes to call it transmission, right? It increases your ability to transmit the infection to another person that it is going to be threatening to. And for those of you who are actually around those who are receiving the vaccines, if you start to notice symptoms of any kind, the big one that keeps coming up, at least in our circles, is this menstrual cycle change, hormonal changes in women and pregnant women and non-pregnant women and children. I, I always wanted to make sure people got this, and I want your audience to get this too. The human body is miraculous, and I had to educate my patients this way all the time. There are five major ways in which the female body, when something gets into it that the body doesn't like, this God-engineered, I believe, body, or if you're an evolutionist, this incredibly evolved mechanism or machine, the human body, has five ways that every female body is going to get rid of that thing that got into you. And that thing could be infections. It could be COVID-19. It could be the shot. It could be all kinds of stuff. It could be a bacteria. It could be a food poisoning. It could be toxic chemicals, heavy metals, drug poisoning from medications. There are five things the female body's going to do to get rid of that toxin or that infection in your body. You're either going to poop it out, you're going to pee it out, you're going to sweat it out, you're going to cough it out, or you're going to bleed it out through your uterus. That's the five main ways. If you're around somebody who just got vaccinated and you start having irregular bleeding, uh, you have something toxic or infectious that's now gone into your body as a result of being exposed to that person. And the uterus is just one way the body does it. It's actually the fastest way to get something out of your blood in a female. It's just to bleed it right out of the uterus. Your body's going to either have diarrhea. You're going to get loose stools. Think about it. If you get food poisoning, your body's going to spit it out in a hurry. It does it all on its own. It knows when something's poisonous. If you get a stomach flu, you're going to get diarrhea and you're going to have vomiting. This is how the body gets rid of toxins and infections. These symptoms don't tell you something is wrong with you. The symptom's not the problem. The symptom is actually the attempted solution to heal the body and get rid of first what's actually affecting you. So if you've gotten the shot 
and you start menstruating heavily and having blood clots, there was something extremely toxic or infectious inside that vial that went into you. And your body's going to react to try to get rid of it. If you have endometriosis and you're bleeding for months and it won't stop, no one's figured out what your body's attempting to try to get rid of. If you have chronic diarrhea or constipation, constipation could be a problem because parasites can attach to your colon and slow down peristalsis. But for the majority of issues, the body's going to get diarrhea. If you have excessive diarrhea or prolonged diarrhea, you have an infection or toxin in your body. If you have rashes or hives that come up on your body after getting the shot or being exposed to someone who got that shot, something has been shed, something's been transmitted, and your body's lymph system is trying to sweat it directly out of your skin. If you're exposed to someone who got vaccines or got vaccinated and they're in your house or you're at work and you start to have urinary tract infection symptoms, burning when you pee, cloudy urine, different color in your urine, guess what? Your body is miraculously urinating that out of you. It is attempting to improve your body's health by ridding it that way. If you start coughing, mucus and pus, that's how your lungs get rid of toxins and infections. You actually put mucus into it and you spit it out. If you have an overabundance of mucus and it cannot like remit itself, that's because most likely there's damage from the spike proteins and the antibodies or SARS-CoV-2 spike protein. It damages the immune cells in your body that curb that overreaction down. So just remember, the symptoms are not the problem. The symptoms are, you have to just think about this. When I would start treating patients, for example, parasites, I'd tell them, just so you know, I'm going to start killing off these bugs. Guess how, guess how your body's going to get rid of it? Just so you know, you got this COVID-19 shot. Guess how you're going to know it was toxic to you? You break out in hives, rashes. We know your skin's trying to eliminate it out of your body through your lymph system. You get diarrhea, chronic diarrhea. Your body's trying to get rid of it. You start vomiting. Your body's trying to eject it. If you have urinary tract symptoms, that's what's happening. If you start menstruating, it was obviously toxic or infectious to you. And our job is to then support the human body's ability to heal, which is what we've been trying to preach this entire time. China killed COVID-19, by the way, by April. And they did it in April 2020 with vitamin C. Vitamin C boosts the immune system's ability to fight an infection. Many other scientists and doctors said, use zinc. Zinc helps rob oxygen and starve viruses. And it's been proven for decades. Selenium improves how much white blood cells you make, which is your own antibodies to fight infections. Vitamin D, it's been shown for years. The most problematic areas, even during COVID-19, were those where they didn't have high amounts of vitamin C from sunlight. They were the most problematic areas or individuals with low vitamin D levels. These are essential elements that the human body has either evolved or been created to be able to use as miraculous defenses against all viruses. All of them, HIV, it doesn't matter. The human body has the ability to kill them off. If you want to know how to manage HIV and kill it off so it never converts into AIDS, it was proven back in Georgia, the University of Georgia back in the 1990s, that the HIV virus would actually attach itself to a cell and make the cell kick out all of its selenium before it could actually get into the cell and infect it. So this cool research group decided to just supplement selenium in all these HIV patients. And as long as there was selenium in the bloodstream, HIV couldn't live. Not a single case of HIV treated with selenium has ever converted to full-blown AIDS. Yet you never hear that in the media. It's pretty disgusting. But uh, all viruses behave the same. There's nutrients that the human body can use to handle 
any virus, including COVID-19. I don't know if you want me to keep talking. Are y'all good till midnight? Because here I go. You ready? You also mentioned the emergency. Well, I'll just hint here. You mentioned ivermectin, Dr. Mary, uh, hydroxychloroquine. I would love to touch on these. Uh, in order to get these vaccine manufacturers an emergency use authorization, in order to get them and allow them to give this vaccine to the masses without FDA approval, it is required that for an emergency use authorization to be given, there cannot be any other drug treatment of any kind that's proven to be adequate or effective against the pandemic virus in this case. So what they had to do in order to allow these drug companies to pump out a vaccine, they had to dismiss any proof or evidence that anything else was effective against COVID-19. And I love that you touched on ivermectin. Early on, they, talk, they talked about during the pandemic about hydroxychloroquine. They bashed Donald Trump for even bringing it up. He is not a doctor, by the way. You should not trust Donald Trump with your health. You shouldn't obviously trust Bill Gates with your health either. He's not a medically trained anything. So there's individuals you just shouldn't listen to, but you can listen to medical doctors who are actually treating patients clinically and at their bedside for decades, which they have continued to censor. But hydroxychloroquine is effective against malaria, was also found to be effective against SARS-CoV-1 in 2005. This is why doctors started hypothesizing that maybe this novel coronavirus 2, SARS-CoV-2, maybe it would react the same way as SARS-CoV-1. It's almost 90% identical in genetics. So they started using it. And holy cow, within five days, they would see all the pneumonia clear up and the breathing improve and these people would recover and go home. Hydroxychloroquine worked. Then Anthony Fauci and the National Institutes of Health funded a European study with hydroxychloroquine on COVID-19 patients. They flat out murdered them, actually, by overdosing them on hydroxychloroquine. Uh, there's a great podcast on that with uh, Dr. Lee Merritt, who I interviewed. She reviewed that entire research study back in 2020 and went over that on my show, actually. Dr. Lee Merritt, 30 milligrams of hydroxychloroquine. You, Dr. Mary, may know this, but this was the dose that Lee Merritt actually mentioned that we know hydroxychloroquine is safe at 30 milligrams a day uh, in dosing. Uh, she said in that research study, there was upwards of 1,200 milligrams given to these COVID-19 patients, which was obviously an overdose. And when the individuals didn't die from that dose, they even increased the dose so that they could get the end result where Fauci could say COVID-19 patients treated with hydroxychloroquine is deadly. Well, the truth was, if you looked at the study, they actually flat out murdered people with it because you can overdose anybody on anything and kill them, including water. And you can overdose on water, actually. Uh, anyway, so they, they flat out had to destroy hydroxychloroquine's credibility and clinical experience being seen in America and throughout the world and its benefit against COVID-19. They had to destroy its reputation so that they could get to the emergency use authorization. Now, ivermectin was actually found before October 2020. 27 different studies from 18 different countries were able to prove even better than hydroxychloroquine, they could stop the infection of the disease and stop the transmission of COVID-19, even in people's households, in less than 48 hours with ivermectin. These 27 studies were submitted to the World Health Organization. The World Health Organization dismissed the first 20 and said, we're not going to even look at these. Those first 20 had the most promising data from the study. And these were not, these were random randomized, 
peer-reviewed studies that the World Health Organization just dismissed. This is when you realize the conspiracy to hide the benefits of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine being effective. Now, I am a holistic doctor. I never used a drug ever to heal anybody. I never thought drugs would do that. But ivermectin won the Nobel Prize in 2015, has been FDA approved for 20 years, hydroxychloroquine for even longer. But they pushed a remdesivir drug that never had an FDA approval ever. The doctors had never used, and then we're going to force them to use it. Uh, it, was, it was very tragic. So in order to get to the emergency use authorization, they had to destroy anything that was shown to be effective. I just listed out several nutrients I have been preaching to patients for years to help them get through the flu season. Now this Corona season, uh, this last year, and it was just as effective. It's all I did in my home. Dr. Mary, I did actually use ivermectin for one day to stop my wife's COVID-19 infection that she had one day. That's all it took one dose. Uh, ivermectin was phenomenal. So I do, I do know about ivermectin. If you, if anyone listening to this broadcast is worried that they need to get a shot to protect them from COVID-19, and they have any uh, any want to learn more or get access to, or they've talked to their doctor about ivermectin as maybe an alternative to the shot because <laughs> they like medications. There's a great website called flccc.net. It's fl with three c's.net. On that website, these medical doctors have put together a actual directory from the world's countries, a whole bunch of countries. And doctors and clinicians or clinics around those countries that actually will write you a prescription for, for ivermectin uh, through telemedicine. They also have it for the United States and every state. If your doctor will not write you a prescription for ivermectin, which is proven to stop COVID-19 infection and its transmission in 48 hours, which is way better than the vaccines ever promised. It doesn't even promise to stop spreading COVID-19. Uh, go to flcc.net fl3cs.net and you can actually learn more there if you can't get a doctor in your state to do it or in your country flccc.net said they will help you get it through telemedicine also hydroxychloroquine can be helped to get if you want to use that drug uh, aflds.org i believe it's the american frontline doctors aflds is the beginning i think it's aflds.org you go there and they actually have uh, the same thing. Telemedicine, they'll actually help you get a prescription for hydroxychloroquine, which is safe, effective, FDA approved for now almost 70 years, 66 years. So the whole emergency use authorization, the ignorance, the willful ignorance of medical doctors to go look at these and then the pure evilness to destroy their safety and efficaciousness towards COVID-19 found in these research studies and by clinicians using them in practice uh, has been devastating. There is another protocol that does not include those. It's actually it includes a, a corticosteroid called budesonide. Dr. Richard Bartlett has a, a whole report on that. Uh, it's also in my reports. I include the entire thing, but it's budesonide in a nebulizer. You inhale it. He's actually never lost a single patient to COVID, has helped cure thousands of COVID-19 infected patients using his protocol. It includes zinc, budesonide uh, and another antibiotic. I, I don't agree with the antibiotic, but this isn't a bacteria. This is a virus. So I, I do recommend antibiotics for bacterial infections. I do not for viral infections. Excuse me, doctor. Just a point. Sorry, Mary. Um, I, you talked Emergency Authorization Act, and it seems to be just to get rid of all pharmaceuticals and just the vaccines. But how does uh, rem, remev? Remez, I can't say it. Remezadir. 
Remdesivir. Remdesivir. I was saying it fine until I had to say it on air. Um, yeah. How does that fit in with the Emergency Authorization Act? Yeah, it was an emergency use authorization for them, too, because it was never FDA approved. And uh, it okay, was. Okay, so there's a whole bunch of drugs that we try to get in on the act then. Oh, New yeah. ones that are more expensive, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, yeah. oh they actually charge. This is incredible. Ivermectin that they used in 18 different countries, 27 studies. It costs less than two cents a day to use ivermectin to treat them for two days. <laughs> two days, two cents one day, two cents the next day. It's four cents. Uh, hydroxychloroquine was pennies too. It was like seven cents a day for treatment. Uh, world average anyway for cost. This remdesivir, you guys know how much they were charging for the five days of treatment for remdesivir? $3,600 for this experimental drug. You could have killed the entire pandemic with two cents per human being in 48 hours, 72 hours at most using ivermectin. And they're pumping this vaccine, this injectable. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. The idea that anybody is okay with this tells you that critical thinking has been robbed from these people. This is where I go back to the cult-like behavior. In order to rob people of their ability to have logical thinking or reasoning, uh, you have to destroy their ability to critically think. And the way you do that is through thought reform. And they did it on a blitz. They did it through behavioral changes and then lockdowns had to prevent assembly, like I mentioned, that all political cults have to do. And then they have to control the media. They knew if they could get everybody in their homes and not talking to each other. They all agree, these cult experts, in order for a cult to be successful, you have to prevent number one uh, assembly. You have to prevent public assembly. So in order to, because what's going to happen is when people start talking to each other and communicating with each other, they're going to realize all the blatant lies, the, the misinformation, the disinformation. So you had to lock down the world to achieve this agenda. And then they pumped you full of, through online media, through TV media, nonstop <laughs> a campaign. They spent $3 billion of American tax dollars on this vaccinate America COVID-19 vaccine campaign. $3 billion the taxpayers paid for. Congress signed and paid $3 billion to have us saturated with advertising for COVID-19 vaccines. When that same government knew in October all of these things were going to happen to a lot of our citizens. Disgusting. Yes, that information is definitely out there for people willing to consider it. And I think some people um, listening might be considering whether they want to get the jab and weighing in their mind the pros and the cons that they've heard. Um, so you bringing up the point that there might be other options, you know, maybe look into the ivermectin or the hydroxychloroquine or zinc, vitamin D, vitamin C is, um, is really great. And um, Steve, can I pass it over to you? Yeah, yeah. a lot of my questions were covered. Um, you know, I guess uh, in the same strain of what this uh, injection is going to do for people with an ounce of common sense who aren't going to take the injection, um, and, but may, if they want to travel, have to subject themselves to a test I'm kind of asking to ask about this test and what's on it. And is there any similar contagion or transmission or, uh, you know, uh, hydrogel or quantum dot that is, if you have even one test, you're, you know, you have something in you that you can't get out or is DNA affecting. Do you have any, anything on that? I have looked into a lot of suggested, <laughs> uh, 
links and discussions into things possibly being injected into you. Uh, to, To all of us, we don't even know what it is. The actual pharmaceutical companies have not actually allowed us to evaluate the vaccines for what's all in them anyway, nor have they disclosed everything. Uh, We learned the other day that Moderna, at the time the COVID-19 vaccine came out, they had two patents on different aspects or pieces of things in the Moderna shot. They Mm. currently have seven in the same time period during the EUA. They've applied for five more or received five more patents. What did they patent and add into it? We don't know what that is. They haven't told us what it is, but we have these patents uh, that now have been grown in number just for Moderna. During the EUA period, since the vaccines have been starting to be administered. So we know there's things possibly being added to these, and we don't even know what they are. They don't have to disclose those yet while it's in this emergency use authorization. The only time it will be that they can't add in more stuff secretly would be once the FDA approval process is granted. Because once that happens, the actual drug company has to take the shot. And if they want to add anything else in the future, they have to actually now pay for clinical trials, run through that once it's FDA approved. So right now, there's already additional patents to things they've created that we don't know what they are, but they're obviously not natural because you can't patent something natural. So they're throwing in more artificial or synthetically man-made things into even the Moderna shot. And we know it's probably going on in all the other ones, but we don't exactly know what's in them. This uh, this talk of luciferase as an enzyme that can be detectable, trackable, uh, the idea that there's nanobots in there, uh, in this hydrogel, we know that the Pentagon has been doing work on nanobot technology to be able to be inserted through the skin, even uh, through microneedling. We've already seen those, but we don't know they're in there. Uh, It would be awesome to know that Uh, the risks that we already know that were already made and confirmed by the government in October is enough to keep me forever to say no. Uh, You know, Nancy Reagan and, and uh, Ronald Reagan back in the 80s, they signed that 1986 act that actually dismissed all liability to uh, drug manufacturers of vaccines. They cannot be held liable since then. And Nancy Reagan had this great slogan when they were trying to crack down on crack. It was just say no to drugs. I will just say to all of you listening, just say no to these jabs. You don't know anything about them yet. And if and if you can say no, just say no. If enough of us can say no, they'll back down. Uh, but there has to be you have to you have to understand you like you mentioned steve common sense must have went out the window it went somewhere because uh this is for the first time ever we've had twice during this pandemic especially in america we had non-fda approved drugs forced on us as the only treatment for covid-19 they then destroyed the credibility of already fda approved drugs for decades and then their solution was to give you non-FDA approved or clinically tried vaccines on any humans. And they're going to push it on all of them. And now they've got extras and they want to push it on children and women, pregnant women that they knew the CDC announced for this entire last year of 2020 published on their website. COVID-19 poses very little risk to children and pregnant women, even in utero, their children. So to now fast forward a year later and now, you're going to start telling people you have to get this vaccine or you can't travel. Or you can't go to work or you can't go to sporting events is, uh, is disgusting. It's an attempt to put enough fear and restrictions on you, rob you of your liberties that we're so proud of having here in America. They're trying to strip all of those just to meet their agenda. And if that agenda isn't to inject you with stuff that's uh, experimental, that's actually nanotech, 
I don't know that. But if they are, uh, that would be another thing to be concerned about because we don't know. Why would you ever be okay with injecting something in your body you don't know what it is? Or that they flat out tell you can cause disease, yeah. death, miscarriages. Why would you do that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think for the average everyday person, it's hard to uh, uh, grasp or fathom that there's an ongoing covert and outvert eugenics and depopulation program. And, uh, but to the, to the, uh, aware person, it's, it's as plain as day. Um, I guess to switch gears a, just a tiny bit and to maybe just try and highlight the deception that has been going on for millennia. Um, I'd like to point out that the number one killer in America is heart disease and the, the cause of heart disease is the diet the number two killer is cancer and the cause people don't die of cancer they die of the treatment chemo because uh, chemo is a uh is the derivative of world war one mustard gas a, a carcinogen cancer causing neurotoxin but people don't know that because they're not told that so chemo causes cancer radiation speaks for itself that's the second treatment that causes cancer. That's why they have the beautiful thing of remission, uh, where our treatments would, you know, eliminate cancer entirely. And the third, the number three killer in America of people is doctors. <laughs> so sort of speaks for itself. But along those lines, getting to um, not uh, getting to what I wanted to mention was uh, Dr. Frederick Klenner in 1948. Uh, reversed full-blown polio in 60 patients with intravenous megadose vitamin C um, until he was shut down and stopped. And um, Dr. Linus Pauling won the Nobel Prize. He was a chemist for megadose vitamin C. Uh, and Dr. Hal Huggins, who was a dentist, used to give no matter what his patient was, the first thing he did was put intravenous vitamin C on them and said, um, let's talk about the diagnosis while they're while we're giving them intravenous vitamin C. So my point is, although we you, you know, people don't realize that megadose intravenous vitamin C is one of the greatest antioxidants. And it's really what your immune systems carries to the disease site to kill it, uh, you know, in terms of it brings almost immediate alkalinity, but you can't have it in a hospital like you can't get it because the protocols are designed to kill you, not to, not to heal you. So I want to sort of um, lead into my question. If you take this jab and you have, are open to immune, autoimmune diseases and prion diseases and all sorts of crazy stuff and, and actually COVID-19 itself, if someone does come, a, come down with an autoimmune disease who's had the injection, will, will herbal and traditional holistic treatments reverse the disease um, or, or any disease for that matter, as if they were, if they had their innate immune system. Of course, uh, developing an autoimmune disease from either these jabs or from an infection of any kind or trauma to the body is going to be harder, a little bit longer to take care of and cure than if you actually didn't do those things to your body with these jabs, vaccines, drugs, all of these are known to be, to cause autoimmune diseases. So yes, the body can heal, even if it's an autoimmunity. In, in regards to all illnesses, including autoimmune diseases, the earlier you start treatment, the better. Except for in the case of COVID-19. They said, don't treat them early. Wait till they're really sick and then go to the hospital, right? It's ridiculous. Most ridiculous thing ever. 
we know early treatment is always the best. So what do we want to look at when it comes to autoimmune diseases? Let's just say some of you who receive the jabs and next year or two start developing the inability to bounce blood sugar. That would be a type one diabetes or type two diabetes. That is a pancreas issue. If you come up with a uh, high liver enzyme activity, kidney issues, you're going to have kidney issues uh, or liver. It depends on which part of the body it is. If you have pulmonary tuberculosis, that would be autoimmunity to lung tissue. Uh, that would be the lungs. It depends on which tissue we're talking about. So if you are diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, uh, let's just say it's rheumatoid arthritis or osteoarthritis. That's joint and cartilage autoimmune disease. So the tissue would be joints and cartilage, right? And collagen. There is the ability and the knowledge, thank God, from Europe, actually, that if you used glandular tissue of the like organ that the individual is having an autoimmune disease in. So, for example, if you had diabetes, that's a pancreas issue. If you actually ate pancreas tissue, they've known this for centuries. You can reverse those scenarios if you just eat some of the tissue from a pancreas, a healthy pancreas. I never fed pancreases to diabetics to try to reverse their diabetes. I didn't need to. There's actually companies who provide glandular extracts of various organs in supplement form, and you can do it the same way. I loved Dr. Royal Lee's work. He's uh, He started a company back in 1929 called Standard Process. He actually coined the phrase protomorphogen, and he has multiple glandular and organ-supportive protomorphogens or nuclear material extracted from healthy tissues of animals in those supplements specifically to reverse dementia and Alzheimer's in patients. He used to lecture at Vanderbilt about doing this and at uh, Mount Sinai Hospital in New York back in the 30s, how he could reverse dementia and early onset Alzheimer's with a product called Neurotrophin PMG, which PMG is the abbreviation for protomorphogens. His company, the Standard Process, is not the only company that provides protomorphogens, but I used it to reverse my sister's autoimmune diseases and a whole bunch of others, thousands of patients. So for individuals who get the jabs, you need to look at some kind of glandular extract or protomorphogens from the standard process company to start the process of reversing and removing antibodies that are attacking your own organ. So it's going to be dependent on what part of the body is being attacked. If it's joints or cartilage, he's got one called osteotrophin PMG, which is for bone and cartilage, which we use to help reverse autoimmune diseases of the joints. So when these expected autoimmunities are coming and we know they're coming in the next 10 years, it's going to be a slaughter around the world of the amount of autoimmune diseases that are coming as those start. And as those symptoms start, you should be tested obviously to see if you have any of those double strand DNA particles in your bloodstream or antibodies to them. Uh, I don't know if you know, if you know this, but the double stranded DNA is what's in the AstraZeneca and Johnson Johnson vaccine. That's what the transgene is. When antibodies in any human are made against double-stranded DNA, which is what the transgene is in the shots, there is a direct correlation to those antibodies against double-stranded DNA and systemic lupus erythematosus and all other autoimmune diseases. So yeah, do so I take the shots personal? Yeah, I do. Because it created a disease. Parasites did it in my sister. But now you got shots you're going to pump into millions of people that could do the same thing. I watched what that pain did to her body. So, so with this jab, what I'm, I guess you kind of answered it because you said it's curable, but I, I think what I'm saying is, is the machinery that we're not really sure what this uh, MRNA is the machinery going to prevent normal 
healing measures to work or we expect or you know or we expect what you normally would do will work even if you've had the jab or could it not yeah the information we do know from the pentagon's own research on this hydrogel and nanotech that they've been using before its intention is to be able to drive through uh signals electronic signals emfs to be able to tell the nanobot to do certain things or the nanotech to do certain things, even to change hormone levels in your body, <laughs> to create depression, anxiety, suicidal behavior. They know that this is what they're working on. They have been working on this. Can we influence biological and physiological changes in the human body using this nanotech? We know the Pentagon's been working on that, like a little micro bioweapon soldier. And I'm sure there's ways they're going to think about trying to use that, obviously. So yes, there is concerns about that. And yes, it could ruin and destroy how it is your body could heal possibly from autoimmune diseases that we've been able to help with before. The problem is the majority of the world, the majority of the entire world is convinced that when they get a sign or a symptom of a disease, where do they go? They go to their medical doctor and what are they only taught to do in med schools? You Poison you. Drug the person, you either cut out the organ or you radiate them. I mean, that's their only options. So if that's where you're going, that's the that's the worry I have. They're going to go there, and then you're just going to feed Big Pharma more revenue yeah. by treating conditions you created. Uh, and just so you know, for the last 20 years, I have a 20-year-old son. I have five children. Oldest is 20. None of them have ever been vaccinated. Because in 2000, I actually learned about vaccines, connections to hepatitis B vaccine on day one. I already learned the connections between that vaccine and three to five years down the road, juvenile diabetes occurring. There was a direct reaction to that virus damaging pancreatic cells. So I didn't want that for any of my kids. So I just dismissed that one. But uh, all the vaccines carry adjuvants in them that are dangerous. So this isn't a new idea for me that just these vaccines are bad for you. I believe personally, the CDC schedule, when they added the hepatitis B vaccine to day one, when the baby was born, was an attempt to try to alter if anything negative was going to happen to that baby, if they could get approval to put it in day one in that child, they could hide anything that, that that vaccine ever did to that child. So if there was developmental diabetes, if there was autism that came up, if there was uh, Asperger syndrome symptoms, whatever it was, congenital defects in the heart, it doesn't even matter. Whatever the issues are, they are there is damage from that vaccine. If we could just get it into them on day one, we could never know that the baby wasn't born that way, whatever's wrong with them. So now they have this excuse to be able to say the baby was born like that. It was like that from day one. How do you know? How do you know what he was like? You injected aluminum, formaldehyde, mercury into this kid and a virus. I mean, you did it. How do you know he was normal? Before yeah. that, it was like at six months, you start vaccinating kids. No, and then there was too many problems correlated between six months, 18 months, the MMR vaccine. They had to get this hepatitis B vaccine. Now, now what are they doing? They're coming up with injections for pregnant women yeah. while they're pregnant. They're and whatever the damage kids. you're going to create, it'll be hidden and unknown. No one can prove it. It's, uh, it's horrible crimes against humanity. Can you, because this is an amazing opportunity you have five unvaccinated kids the average person can can't they can't get their hands around that because we're indoctrinated to think vaccines are good and they stop disease so we know that's a lie oh, yeah. but 
what you're living proof. So what was your experience like? What are your kids like and health wise? And how did you avoid? Did you have trouble with the hospital? Did they give you a hard time? Is it easy? Can anyone say I'm not vaccinated my kids? I can speak for the states in which I live because that's all I needed. All I needed was the exemption forms from the Department of Health and Human Services. You can just go to the Department of Health in any of your counties and actually get an exemption form. In Texas, you can just go to texas.gov, the actual government website, and actually type in the word vaccine exemption chart or form. They send it to you. You get it notarized. You take it to the schools. You take it wherever you want. And that's how I kept all my kids who were in public school. Uh, actually, never were vaccinated, never had to be because I had these exemption forms to provide for them every year. But it was just that important to me. Uh, so I have a 20-year-old who's already graduated high school. My 18-year-old, this is no joke, last night at dinner when you just said this, he said he was talking to one of his teachers in high school yesterday. And he he was asked, the teacher was asking him which shots he got, the COVID-19 shot, and if he was vaccinated. And he goes, heck no, I'm not vaccinated. And, and then the teacher backed up. And he goes, uh, you haven't been vaccinated for COVID-19 or for any vaccines? And he goes, I've never been vaccinated once. And the teacher looked at him and goes, uh, how is that possible? Do you get sick very often? And my son at dinner goes, I had to look at my teacher and say, I don't even remember being sick. I think I got a cold once, maybe once. Maybe he got a cold once in his entire life that I remember. He did get COVID-19 supposedly from this PCR test that I don't trust anyway, but all of his symptoms were gone in two days. And we did it with vitamin C, D, zinc, and selenium. He's never been sick. None of my other children have ever been sick. None of them. None of them missed school. They had to come up with reasons they would actually ask, how am I going to get these days of school? I get like 10 days a year to be sick. All these other kids get them. How am I going to get them? They get sick and I don't. How are we going to get these days off? And I'd say, you're just going. You're not stopping. You're not making up reasons not to go to school. That's uh, it was very easy. But they did try to scare me early on. This was in 2003 when Braden, who I just mentioned, when he's 18, about to graduate high school, he, uh, at, when he was born in 2003 in a hospital here in Texas, uh, a nurse walked up to me and said, I need you to sign this form. And I said, what's that form? And she said, uh, it's to vaccinate your son. And I said, oh, you're not vaccinating my son. I need the exemption form. And she goes, you're not going to vaccinate your kid? And I said, no. She goes, I've worked in this hospital seven years. I've never heard a parent do that before. And I said, well, there's a chart in there somewhere. Find that form. She, she goes, I don't know where that form is. And I said, well, you have a stack like this thick of forms on your clipboard it's probably the last two. You've never even seen them. So she literally flips it up. And the second to last form is the exemption form for the majority of vaccines for children. And I signed it. She's like, I cannot believe you're signing this. And I was like, I can't believe you're trying to vaccinate my kid. That's exactly what I said. I signed it. I signed it. And then she starts to walk off. She turns around. This is a story very important for your audience because this is what they're doing with COVID-19 vaccines, by the way. It's just bullying fear-mongering to get you to do something. She turns around and she goes, oh, there's one more form under that one. Sorry, that wasn't the only one. And this one's for the hepatitis B vaccine only, which is the one they give on day one in the hospital. And I said, oh, for sure, I need that one. You're definitely not giving my kid that one. And she goes, you are not going to give your kid the hepatitis B vaccine? And I said, there ain't no way on earth I would let you do that. And she goes, and as I went to sign it, she pulled the clipboard for me from me in the hospital room, pulls it from me and goes, Dr. Artis, I'm sorry at the time, Mr. Artis, Mr. Artis, are you aware that the hepatitis B virus can live on a doorknob for up to seven years? <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Do you know the hepatitis B virus can live on a doorknob for up to 24 hours? This is what she said. And I went just like this. As fast as she said it, this was my response. I have a question for you. You said you've worked in this hospital for seven years? She goes, yeah. 
I said, uh, in this neonatal unit area for seven years? She goes, yeah, the whole time. And I said, great. I need you to stay right there. And I need you to answer one question for me. And I need you to think about all of the last seven years you've been in this hospital. She goes, okay. I said, how many newborns have you seen open a door in this hospital? And she busted up laughing and she goes, none. And I said, then why did you say that to me? You act like that's a threat to my newborn, that, that, that a virus can live on a doorknob. How many newborns do you see opening doors in here? And she goes, none, I've never seen it. I said, well, then why'd you say that to me? And she goes, I don't know. I said, I do. And then I looked at her and I said, do you know what the half-life of the hepatitis B vaccine is? You know what she said? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I said, that is the half-life of immunity provided by that vaccine. The half-life is six years. That means it's only providing immunity for how long? And she goes, uh, I don't know. I said, you just got to double it. It's 12. <laughs> she goes, okay, 12. I said, so it provides immunity, supposedly, until you're 12. I have another question for you. Where do people get the hepatitis B virus from? What's the most common place? And she goes, from sex and intravenous drug use. And I said, good. You've been here seven years? She goes, yeah. I said, now I want you to tell me how many newborns in the nursery are having sex or injecting themselves with drugs other than the ones you're doing. And she goes, obviously none. I said, so what's the threat to day one being born and needing to get this hepatitis B vaccine that only lasts 12 years? I'm going to ask you another question. This is exactly what I said. I'm going to ask you another question. How many children think back over your entire life, nephew, nieces, friends, schoolmates, how many of them do you know were doing drugs, intravenous drug use, and having sex at age 12? I said, you might know some. I have no idea. At age 12. And she sat there really thinking. And she goes, I can't think of one. I said, why in the world would we give this vaccine to anyone before the age of 12? Why don't, get, why don't you give it to them at age 12? Wouldn't it make more sense to go from 12 to 24 and cover them for those 12 years when they go off to middle school, high school, college, where they become promiscuous? Don't you think that would be more brilliant? And she looks at me and I said, now I want to ask you again, why did you say that virus lives on a doorknob and why would that be threatening to me? She goes, I don't know why I said that. I said, I do. That's what your boss told you to say to me. Now go back to your boss and tell them that everything they said to you is moronic. And tell them we should start vaccinating people with the hepatitis B virus vaccine at age 12. Go tell them that. And uh, she goes, I'll just let you sign it. And I said, good. I signed it. She walked off. And uh, people all the time ask me, how do you have these conversations with people? You know, you would think I was just a college student at the time. I'm in this medical institution. You would think I would see these people as authority figures and I would just listen to what they said, no matter what they said. The threat of hepatitis B to my child was not real. It was very negligible, zero risk, just about the mom didn't have it either. So what was the risk to this kid? The majority of people don't have it. So why are we vaccinating all these babies with it? I don't get it. Well, the same lies and fear mongering this nurse tried to use with me is exactly what they're doing with you. You'll get COVID-19 and you will die. The truth is less than 1% of the entire world died from this. It's not a threat to all of humanity. Mm -hmm. What's more miraculous is to hear people say, that vaccinated people need to avoid unvaccinated people? Why? Where did your logic reasoning go? That is the most moronic argument I've ever heard. If you are vaccinated and you believe the vaccine works, you got vaccinated to protect you from the virus or the bacteria or the people you think might be carrying it. 
it's yeah. ridiculous to force this on other people. Well, like you said, if you control the media and there's evil people who are willing to lie to the public, then you can indoctrinate with misinformation. They are very much indoctrinated. You're absolutely right. You know, it's like ask your doctor, right? You know, when my mother had her autoimmune disease, uh, she was 85 and she lived alone and you know, the system sucks you in and bewilders you. And, you know, now listen to the, your doctor. He knows best. You're, you're, it's very complicated stuff we're doing up here. You, you just do whatever your doctor says. And it, unless you can get, ex, ex, you know, extricated out of that system, you're, you're just, you're in a path to hell. Um, and it's all designed that way. So um, I will... Open up, but the last thing I want to say is that back to Dr. Frederick Klenner. In the 1940s, he gave pregnant women vitamin C, and he didn't vaccinate the kids. And he had this clinic, and all the kids were so healthy. Their immune systems, I don't know how they measured it, but the kids never got sick. They were called vitamin C babies. Now, could you imagine if cancer patients, the first thing they got was intravenous vitamin C, and pregnant women weren't getting injected with poison uh, injections and were getting vitamin C? So anyway, that's just how I want to finish. But thank you very much. Steve, that was a great point. Now I'm going to wrap up your part here by saying the majority of the people listening to this show, I promise, has heard this phrase. An apple a day keeps who away? An apple a day keeps the doctor away, right? Remember this whole phrase? It used to be in the media. It used to be pumped oh, out yeah. on video, TV. Every Saturday morning cartoon session, they'd have this little thing, little commercial running. An apple a day keeps the doctor away. My question for you is this. When did an apple a day, keep the doctor away, turn into, you have to get our vaccine or else. And what is inside of apples? Quercetin, vitamin <laughs> C, vitamin C. Oh, yeah. Oh, but can I just mention uh, the injection that doesn't stop transmission for the disease that's 99.8% survivable, that is really... And there's uh, the death toll that was changed in March 2020 to how deaths were recorded. So those are inflated. I mean, it goes on and on. It's just, there's no end to it. I love your education on the vitamin C stuff. I'll just tell you, you will hear doctors say, you will hear pharmaceutical specialists say in the media that there is no proven research studies that vitamin C helps fight diseases. We do know it helped reverse scurvy. Do you know how easy it was for it to actually reverse scurvy? It took only 10 milligrams that you could get from like one line. That's how they actually beat it. 10 milligrams. Because 10 milligrams is all that was required to save the lives of people dying from scurvy. Every research study in the future done on vitamin C by pharmaceutical companies or research entities, if they're trying to debunk vitamin C's efficacy, not Linus Pauling's work, by the way, but if they want to debunk vitamin C, they set up the study to actually analyze all infections and diseases with 10 milligrams of vitamin C. Linus Pauling, who has won two Nobel prizes, has been able to prove that amounts of like 10,000, 20,000 milligrams a day can help reverse cancer. Of course. That's I, they do at home, and my wife, who's sitting in the studio right at the desk to my left, we actually do a teaspoon every day of, of vitamin C mixed in something every day. 10,000 milligrams every day. I'll do it every day the rest of my life. It is that beneficial. So these studies yeah. were set up to fail to make vitamin C look like it was negligible and didn't provide any benefit. Uh, vitamin C you have to have as a part of an immune defense. 
if you had none, you're going to die of scurvy. That's we don't problem. manufacture it. We're, we don't manufacture it. You better eat it. Yep. You don't do yeah, that. There you go. Well, thank you very much. And I'm still awake, so I'll pass it on. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you're doing a great job out there staying awake in Singapore, buddy. Yeah, it's, hot. it's, it's early here. I don't know what kind of coffee you drink there, but it's got to be pretty powerful. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Artis. Dr. Artis, you know, mm, you really have to come back to us again next time because we there's just so much um, information and wisdom that you shared. And I can't help, but I know it may be uh, two hours now, but I want to just let you know a few questions from the audience. And if you want to answer any of that, it would be really lovely. And if not, yes, please, in two months, three months, please do come back. Because uh, this, this fight is not over yet, when <laughs> I know that, okay? Mm -hmm. So then there's one here that says, our immune system has worked for millions of years. Why has it stopped now? Well, I gave one reason why people 65 years old and older, why theirs isn't working any well or working as well. Remember, there are certain drugs designed to suppress the immune system. Steroids do that. Corticosteroids are designed to be an immune suppressant. They are stopping your body's ability to fight infections or cause symptoms. And, and if I can answer this real quick for you uh, or spend a second there, I mentioned earlier that the symptoms that we have are a reaction to our body's attempt to try to get rid of something. Your lymph system is the least studied by medicine, by pharmaceutical, by scientists, least studied system in your body. Yet our body has four times more lymph fluid than we do blood flow. Our lymph system is tied to all of our joints. For people who are living in pain around the world with some autoimmune disease, there is the opportunity and the realism may exist for you that you have an infection in your body that has not been handled. Think about every time someone gets the flu, they mention Day three, four, five, it feels like their entire body hurts. It hurts to touch. It hurts to move. Every part of their body hurts because the virus is now in the lymph system and the lymph system is producing lymph, swelling the lymph nodes and your joints they're connected to. And then the body hurts for those several days. As the infection gets moved out of your lymph system into your kidneys and your bowels for excretion, then the pain goes away. The majority of you living with pain in your joints have an infection living in your body that is not being cleared. Corticosteroids do not kill infections, but they're telling you to live on these the rest of your life. Uh, your body's immune system can handle it. Your body does not make antibodies against parasites. It does against bacteria, viruses, fungi. It doesn't against parasites. These things can live in you forever. So if you don't identify these infections and get them out, you can live with chronic inflammation and pain the rest of your life without it ever being treated. So remember, your symptoms are a reaction of your immune system trying to clear something up. Now, why would joint pain exist in patients with autoimmune diseases for years and not leave? Like in the flu, it leaves after a few days. Well, this is why there's an infection that your body's producing lymph against and it's not moving. So you have to kill off the infection to get rid of it. The body doesn't kill parasites. It doesn't remove them. So to support the immune system, your body has to move. Your heart pumps your blood. You have four times more lymph than blood flow. Your joints are what move lymph. And I've said this for years. Motion is life. You have to move. Use a rebounder. Use something to move. The joints are what pump lymph. You don't have a heart for your lymph. 
in order to get the pain out of your body for a lot of people struggling, you got to support your immune system through movement and then support it with vitamin C and other nutrients like we mentioned. And then someone asked, um, are you familiar with Hilda Clark's research about parasites? Uh, Who's who's research? It's uh, H-U-L-D-A Clark. Um, That's from the audience. Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I'd love to see okay. the reference or the or the author on their research. I have tons of, of research <laughs> studies, but I haven't memorized all the author's names. Dr. Omar Amin is the one that I've studied the most. He collects them all too. And and how about Dr. Robert Marshall's work? He 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 also cre- he created a premier research lab, and his uh, company does all semi kinesiology testing for all the products and everything. And when he would train practitioners, he would always go straight um, all the uh, acupuncture points and always teach us to test the colon for parasites. And and if there are certain things in the different parts, the liver, the gallbladder points that are not responding to just botanical products, then he would always say that there's an immune system challenge and it will be parasites and just like you have the products from um standard process and then we would test that product if that resonates to the energy of that person then that's the solution so are you familiar with him dr robert marshall i am familiar with his work and there are solutions combined all natural solutions by uh, pci that parasitetesting.com it's called freedom cleanse and restore and it's an incredible complement of chinese herbs and herbs from around the world to get rid of parasites. Just, you know, any human being on the planet listening to this show, if you know anybody that has a food allergy, they've got parasites. They just have never mm-hmm. been. Just go do the test. You've got them. And you're right. If uh, you're looking at the liver or gallbladder acupuncture points and the energy is stagnant and not moving, uh, by far there can be parasites complicating the colon and the gut. The liver, gallbladder dumps everything into the colon for removal, small intestine in the colon. And if there's any inability of the colon to digest, break down, or eliminate foods passing through it, it's usually because there's an invader, fungi, candida, or parasites. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. And I'm with you with that. Even uh, my specialty, current specialties with dementia Alzheimer's, and Dr. Marshall, and you know, also would say that even dementia Alzheimer's, and there's an article I think coming out there now referring it to underlying immune rather than plaques and everything is all parasites related. So thank you for that. And to our audience, they also say thank you for your presence, Dr. Artis, and to the rest of the panel, they said thank you for coming together and providing them their information. So we appreciate everyone. And for all of you viewers, please um, again, I don't know, This, as uh, Steve said, these things have been going on for millennials, and I have learned early that I'm not trusting a system that's broken. I, Although I work in the system for many years as critical care nurse, but I, for myself, I never depend on it, but I stayed in the system because I know I could make a difference. So just open your eyes and listen to all the doctors who are risking their lives, their license, their nurses, and that's, we could all help each other. Thank you. And Dr. Um, Artis, any more last sentences and statements, wise wisdom, whatever you want to say, please. Your body can beat COVID-19. You've been given some solutions here to do that, to boost your immune system, or you have heard alternatives here, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, that are safe 
and proven effective to actually get rid of COVID faster than any COVID-19 injection will. The risks way out far outweigh the benefits of the COVID-19 jabs. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you very Thanks much. For on, and thank you for all those listening. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Doc. That was an honor.